0: It's three past ten. Kia ora, good morning. It is only a few days away from Christmas now. The countdown is on, isn't it? Uh, only one more show for us after today as well it has got to be said, so uh, it's getting real. Hope you've done your shopping. Uh, we're going to talk a bit of Christmas stuff. We, we'll bring back the Mount Rushmore. Uh, today it is a Mount Rushmore of Christmas movie, so uh, get your thinking caps on for the Mount Rushmore of, think, uh, of Christmas Movies and uh, send through your thoughts to us. Double eight, double three is the Timperpear Post text machine. Send send through your your thoughts. Double eight, double three on the best Christmas movies, and uh, we'll do a Mount Rushmore, a top top four. Christmas movies of all time. I'll give you mine. Logan will give you his. And uh, we'll get some more suggestions off the text machine as well. Coming up, surely Adam Collins, the SEN cricket commentator, is going to join us. We're going to preview Australia, South Africa, talk a bit about baseball and New Zealand. Are they walking into a backlash in Pakistan? We're going to announce today... Uh, the winner of our SCNZ Caller of the Month, thanks to Abel Living, will give away uh, that smoker, which is uh, absolutely superb. Coming in studio, Will Clarkson and Andy Muir. After 11 o'clock, they are part of the New Zealand lacrosse team. There is a lacrosse World Cup next year. New Zealand is sending a team. We'll find out more about the sport and about the World Cup from them. After midday, Eric Thompson, motorsport rider, uh, one of the best going around. We'll talk Boxing Day motorsport because there are the cemetery races out of Whanganui, uh, Cemetery Circuit motorbikes. We'll also talk a bit of F1. We'll talk some of the Kiwis and what they're doing around the place as well. Um, we're going to have a replay, actually, on the motorsport theme. Um, Scott McLaughlin's dad, Wayne McLaughlin, caught up with Smithy during the season after the Toronto Grand Prix win. Uh, and so we'll replay you that chat. It was a really good chat, that one. And then after one o'clock, it is Phoenix Nation. We're going to do an hour on the Phoenix. Daniel McCarty, He's the football commentator for us here at SNZ. He's going to join us with a year in review. Natalie Lawrence, the coach of the women's team, will be on. And Scott Wooten as well, the Phoenix centre back, played at Leeds and Manchester United as well. He will be on. All of that and more coming your way between now and two. Right now, though, it is time to talk cricket. Uh, we crossed to London to catch up with Adam Collins. He is the SCNZ, uh, SCN cricket commentator, I should say. He did call the first test in Brisbane between... Australia and South Africa. Come on in, Adam. How's blighty treating you, mate? How are you? Oh,
1: I'm very well, yes. Nice to be home, as it were, in London. It seems weird to say that, given I've spent the last two and a half months uh, commentating on the cricket in Australia. But uh, such as it is with my life split across the two countries, I- I've arrived back in London for the uh, the shortest day of the year in terms of sunlight. I think the sun went down at about... 20-4 to four this afternoon, which is quite the contrast to what I had in Melbourne over the weekend, or Brisbane as it were, during that brief second test match, the third test match. Third of the summer, first of the South African
0: season Yeah, indeed. Well, I, I, interesting to see, you know, the South Africans complained about it just being too green, um, and I think a lot of Aussie fans were telling them to harden up and up in sooks. Uh, but I see now that the ICC <laughs> have come out and uh, graded the pitch below average. Richie Richardson, who is a match referee, says it was not an even contest between bat and ball.
1: I share that view. Look, I think that um I get frustrated by the parochial nature of pitch debates. Um it feels like sometimes that uh the national flag waving when it comes to the pitch stuff is worse than anything when <laughs> anything when it comes to barracking for sides around the world. But um yes, the my observation the commentating on that test match at the Gabba was that the contest between bat and ball was offset by the pitch now it is clearly as as has been described by various pundits an outlier I share that view Um, this is not the way it normally is at the Gabba it clearly wasn't cooked up to be this way to be to the advantage of the home team because South Africa have got as every bit a good a pace bowling attack as Australia do so it wasn't like um a stitch-up in order to engineer a certain result. It was, I'm sure, uh, the consequence of the, the climate uh, in Brisbane. It's been a cooler spring there, as I'm advised, and it's been wetter, and it just meant that the, the surface they ended up rolling out was not as um, hard and true as we might expect at the Gabba over the years, and that meant the soft parts of the pitch on day one where the ball marks were, um, were hardening up on day two, that's where you were getting the volatile bounce. That's why it became so hard to bat, in the second innings for South Africa. They were dismissed 99 for 99 Sorry, the second time around. And Australia lost four wickets on the way to chasing 32. So, you know, it, when you see a test match where 15 wickets fall on day one, which was a record at the Gabba, and 19 fall in two sessions on the second day, and it's all over by, yeah, not even four o'clock on day two, it, it is right to scrutinise the wicket. But, but I don't expect it'll be an ongoing feature of what we see at the Gabba. I'm sure it's
0: a one-off. Yeah, you'd hope so. You'd hope so. I mean, uh, we have uh, the base reserve here uh, in Wellington, and often it looks like what that Gabba pitch looks like, but it doesn't play that way, if you know what saying.
1: True. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's what I said to Daniel Vittori when interviewing him on SCN Test Cricket before day two that um, I was joking with him saying, you know, what's it like being a new Australian now as the Australian assistant coach as a proud Kiwi? And his response was, well, you know, out in the middle yesterday it felt like he was at Hagley Oval in Christchurch so um, <laughs> it, given that the surface was so green but you're right sometimes that can be deceptive in New Zealand because underneath the green covering it's quite hard and and thus if you don't use the surface on the first day it can be it can make for a long long day in the field where um, in Brisbane it was kind of a bit different to that it, it was soft and green on morning one but the conditions actually got more difficult the deeper we got into the test match which i mean the the um the curiosity there for me and we'll never know um because it's in the absence of the counterfactual i suppose but it would have been even harder to that on day 3 and day 4 i suspect um given those ball marks were so pronounced in the
0: softer wicket now you mentioned the south african uh, bowling attack i mean Rabada's four for 13 in that second innings when you know Aussie net uh, just four to win it was pretty impressive mm-hmm. uh I do look at the South African batting lineup, though, and I think that's where the difference between these two sides are. I mean, uh, Temba Bavuma coming in at four feels like about two places too high. What do you, what do you make of the South African batting depth?
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, there, there have been collectively two centuries in that entire South African side, outside of Dean Elgar, who's made thirteen Test tons, but all of those Test centuries for Elgar came before he was test captain a couple of years ago so he's had a noticeable drop off he's dropped 10 10 runs his average has dropped off by since becoming the leader of that South African team and beyond him they are fragile uh, uh Cyril Irvia is a 33 year old opening and I think he's earned his spot through domestic runs but he's made one test entry this year that's his lot um Rassi has been playing test cricket for four years and yet to post three figures you mentioned Temba Bavuma. um he's their second most experienced player. And he's made one century in 53 test matches. And I know that centuries are a little bit arbitrary to an extent, but it's also not a bad measure of match-winning capacity or match-winning potential. And you're right, inside their top six right now, with the exception of Elgar, who has fallen off a cliff somewhat as a test batter in the last couple of years. I think he averages 30 in that stretch of time when he was well into the 40s before that. Um, They just don't have that match-winning ability in their top six, which means they're really relying on their fast bowling. And their fast bowling is brilliant, and it has won them a number of test matches this year, including a series victory against India. They beat England at Lords; They're the only side to beat uh, the, the invigorated Baz bowlers, if you want to call them that. Um, only one team's beaten them, and that was South Africa at, at Lords in, in a bit of a fast bowling shootout. So if they get it right with the ball, they can still um, be a real bother for Australia. We saw that at the Gabba. Uh, the issue is going to be, can they ever post a competitive total um, across the next two test matches? It's 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 difficult to see how went up against Australia's attack as good as...
0: So, I mean, if you uh, put yourself in Dean Elgar's shoes ahead of the Boxing Day test uh, at the G, um, you win the toss, you're putting Aussie in in that, in that case to try and knock him over cheap? Yeah, definitely. And Elgar
1: said at uh, at Brisbane that he would have batted his first had he won the toss. I don't believe him. I mean, I think that... Um, when you lose the toss, the easy thing is to say that oh well, we would have done that anyway. I think in practice he would have taken advantage of the of the lively surface and bowled first. Even though, as I said before, it was probably better for batting at the very start than it was deeper in, into the into into that first day and into day two. But nevertheless, at Melbourne last year, Australia won the toss and bowled first, and they bowled out England in, inside two sessions. And I would say that even if the Melbourne surface is harder than Brisbane, and it should be that on the basis of what we saw at Melbourne last year, and indeed even in the T20 stuff that finished recently, it's a far more sporting surface at the MCG in the last two or three years than it has been in 20. In the last 20 years, especially um, around 2017, 2018, the Melbourne test pitch was absolutely dead and they put a lot of work into it to liven it up. And in the last few years, you've seen ball dominate bats. So I would say on that basis, if Dean Elgar wins the toss, on Boxing Day morning, he is duty-bound to bowl first and see whether they can land a, a number of blows on that first morning uh, and hope that from that point they're in a position of strength to push on and do what they can with the bat, with their limited resources to keep the game even. If they're sent in again, um, then I think they'll
0: be under the pump big time. Uh, speaking about the Australian betting lineup, uh, there's one bloke whose name pops out a lot. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about him and whether or not his time is done, and that is David Warner. he got a duck and three in Brisbane. Uh, against the Windies, he didn't really fire in either Adelaide or Perth either. Um, yep. He really is struggling for runs and struggling for form. Given he's 36, how long do you reckon he's got before the decision gets made for him? Yeah, it's a great question. Look,
1: I, I, I don't think they'll make the decision for him. I, I, I think maybe they should but I can't see it happening. A player of his status and stature, and, um, and I suppose, you know, let's be honest, uh, David Warner holds the nuclear codes when it comes to what happened in, in that Orleans dressing room in 2018, so um, I'm not saying that's the reason why they wouldn't punt him, by the way, but he needs to be handled with some care and some respect, and I don't see them sacking him. However, um, I also think that there might be a conversation had with him, remembering it's his 100th test match at Melbourne, so that's a, a significant milestone. He could finish up in Sydney, The challenge for Warner isn't so much the next two weeks, although it will be tough. It's the fact that he's going off to play in England and India away, which are both incredibly challenging tasks for any Australian batter, um, not least someone who is in decline. And and look, it's okay to be in decline when you're six, right? Like, his best cricket as a Test player is, is gone, and that's fine. Like, that is the life cycle of a Test cricketer. And I don't think that it needs to be viewed through the lens of him being, you know Oh, he's no good. He's got to go. It's more like, well, okay, he's in decline, but are his diminished returns still superior to what someone coming into the side would likely be? If it wasn't India in England, I think the answer would probably be yes. The David Warner, a limited David Warner, with all of his experience to draw down on, all of his match winning efforts of the past, uh, that muscle memory, if you like, I think if it were anywhere but India in England, you'd say, well, you'd back him. If they were going to have a relatively quiet winter. or an easier task in the winter, you might say, well, there is another 12 months there for you. The challenge that Warner's got is that if he is in decline, then up against the outstanding spinners in India, Ashwin and Jadeja, not to mention their seamers these days, on surfaces that will turn from day one, and then to England where he made, I think it was ninety-three runs in the entire series back in 2019, and he will be up against the same bowling group there on surfaces that will nip around, um, whether that might provide pause for thought for for warner after reaching his milestone test especially if he doesn't make bulk runs Uh, and even if he does maybe he might see it as an opportunity to sign off at his home ground in sydney the week after um, and to, to hang the boots up in this format of the game and even if he were to make a big score at melbourne and or sydney he might see it as a great opportunity to finish up in front of his home fans at the sydney cricket ground while still continuing on as a white ball player, mindful that the the 50-over um, the World Cup in, in India is in October, he'll be one of the first names on the team sheet for that. And he's already expressed his desire to go around for another two years as a T20 player. So David Warner, if he were to finish up as a Test cricketer, it doesn't end his international career, it is simply him uh, parting ways with one of the three formats. And Warner has always found it um, easy to balance and, uh, and move between the three, but Again, this simply reflects the fact that he's now 36, and
0: you can't do everything forever. No, you can't do everything forever. It's a good call. Now, you are in England. Uh, what has been the reaction to England being the first uh, team to clean sweep Pakistan in their own backyard and uh, the baz ball phenomenon? It's
1: fairly staggering, isn't it? They won one of their 17 test matches, their most recent 17 test matches, ahead of them hosting New Zealand this year at Lords, which we did on SEN, SENZ. Uh, back then in June and I think that when New Zealand rocked up the expectation was that um, the the Black Caps would do pretty well but they got swept 3-0. Then South Africa got done 2-1. They won a test match, a a standalone test match against India at Edgbaston which was a thrilling affair so they had a a test summer at home where they won six of seven and dominated most of those wins. Some thrilling run chases in there as well especially against New Zealand. Then they move on to um, Pakistan and and beat them 3-0 in very, very different conditions. That means they've gone on to win, I think it's now up to 9 of 10. They've won 9 of 10, with some of the most exhilarating cricket you'll ever see. It beggars belief that this is the same side who we saw in Hobart in January this year, when they were beaten in two and a half days in that day-night test match to finish the Ashes, and they were one foot on the plane. Those two days in Hobart, following that, that final test, they weren't able to get a plane out, so all the players were hanging around on days four and five with, not an awful lot to do, and they were they were they were a broken international team. Um, it was only right to uh, look deeply into the eyes of those players and work out, try and get to the bottom of what was going on, not just with them but the system that produced them. And now the inspired leadership of Baz, Brenda McCullum, and the right captain in Stokes; those two are. It feels like they're meant to be together. <laughs> those two, they're so well suited with the, with the type of game they wish to play. And the fact that they see themselves as ambassadors for Test Cricket, they they both love the longer form of the game and think that in a very competitive marketplace with so much, not just other forms of cricket, but other sports to choose from, that they need to make Test Cricket as attractive as possible. And you've seen that in Pakistan. They went across the entirety of the series in Pakistan at a run rate of five and a half and over. And I think all bar two of their um, 14 players used had a strike rate in excess of 93 with the bat. It's a bewildering set of numbers, a beautiful set of numbers, you could say, in terms of what they're they're achieving at the moment for English cricket. And I think the amount of attention in world cricket that's drawn towards this side can only be a good thing. And and it's going to be interesting to see how sides around the world now respond to that. I know when I was in Pakistan earlier this year covering the Australia series, they made a decision to kind of win on Pakistan's terms, batting it two and over and trying to win the the arm wrestle across 15 days. England have won 3-0 doing a radically different thing that nobody thought was possible. So um, immense credit to them and looking forward to seeing um, how they deal with the next challenges as they arise. i will be in New Zealand soon on surfaces. that will be harder to attack on from ball one. You'd expect that the New Zealand curators will make it um, to the advantage of New Zealand seamers. They'd be right to do so. And in the Ashes next year, well, that's going to be an absolute blockbuster contest between Two sides nearing the peak of their respective powers.
0: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I will tell you what, though, Baz has done uh, the Black Caps absolutely no favours. But if you don't think the Black Caps are going to get a backlash from the series from Pakistan in their own backyard, <laughs> you're dreaming.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It's it's reasonable to say that Pakistan will want to um, will come out firing when they do play. It's just that um, look, I think that. It's worth noting that Pakistan aren't anywhere near as strong at the moment as we might think of them. Remembering they went to the top of the world in 2016 um, for the first time. They they won a series, uh, well, they, they they went two all in England, which put them up to number one in the, in the test rankings. And that was kind of their high watermark. They've been quite a poor side, really, in the last seven years. They've been most inconsistent. they Rely on, to, and I think, in, in New Zealand conditions that the Black Caps will go in raging hot favourites.
0: Yeah, they would. They would. We'll have to see how that goes. Adam, thanks very much for your time, mate. Uh, I know you've got a baby on the way. Good luck with all of that. And uh, happy, happy Thank Christmas. Thank you. Thanks.
2: I hope you guys have a, a
0: wonderful cricketing summer.
2: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed
3: in your field. You're listening to Summer Days with Ricardo Ball on SENZ.
0: It's 10.25 here on Summer Days on SENZ. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. And Michael Dord now joins us from Greyhound Racing New Zealand. He is the racing manager. And, Michael, throughout this week, we've been looking back at sports. We've looked back at rugby. We've looked back at rugby league um, and, and a few others um, and and looked at what's happened in that, those sports over the year. Uh, and I think it's a good time to do the same for Greyhound Racing. Yeah, good morning, Ricardo. Good morning to to, to the listeners. Yeah, it's been uh,
4: been a a very, very busy year at uh, Greyhound New Zealand with a a government review to to work through, but there have been uh, a a significant
0: number of changes, and Greyhound Racing is quite different now than what it was 12 months ago. Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about how it's different to to what it was 12 months ago? But, but probably the, uh, the, the 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 biggest change that has has come in
4: is uh, we've introduced preferred box drawer racing. Um, it's something that is a staple of uh, greyhound racing in the UK, uh, but uh, but nowhere else. So uh, all, throughout Australasia, when the greyhounds have a have are drawn into a race, a random box drawer is done, and you know, hairy Legs gets box one and Spider Sam gets box two. Blah 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 blah. Um, but the greyhounds themselves, there's, there's no jockeys or drivers controlling them. They've actually got inherited traits. Some of them jump out and they like to run left. Some of them jump out and they like to run right. Some of, them are, uh, some of them are small. Some of them are big. Uh, the bigger dogs can often can struggle to get around the corners. So uh, we, we've um, started recording uh, early running traits for these dogs, from whether they're a, a railer, which a dog that runs near the rail, a straight dog, that run, dog that runs straight, um, and and a wide runner, um, and we've got a couple of ex, extra categories just for the for the real extremists. And um, obviously, we're doing this to, to reduce injuries because, as you can appreciate, greyhounds can run up to 70 kilometres an hour. You don't want to be banging into another dog at that uh, at that sort of speed. Um, and uh, so these were, these were int- introduced on a pilot basis on ANZAC Day, and uh, we've been very pleased with the response. The um, I think people w- watching greyhound racing, particularly the head-on replays that are, that are shown on trackside and the third box tour races, uh, will, will have seen just how much how much um, cleaner the races are, and the. Uh, the dogs that have got really severe habits of, of angling left out of the boxes or, or angling wide out to the right, uh, it's such a relief to see them doing that and not coming into contact with with any other dogs. Um, and um, it's also it, it, it appears to have done, actually done done wonders for the for the dogs dogs confidence. But the uh, the proof of the pudding's in the in the eating. And uh, we just did a, a report the other day. So the, um, the fr- fractures fractures in uh, preferred box draw races. Are 66% lower than what they are in, in random box four races. So that's led us to expand it from our initial pilot grade uh, to, all, to all, all sprint races. Today's the first day, of all sprint races at Monaco will be preferred, uh, preferred box four, and we're very, very keen uh, to see that, that those clean racing patterns that we've seen um, in, in, in the Class 1 sprints that have been going since
0: since April. Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the bigger dogs struggle on the corners. I noticed that there's a uh, a straight track. I think it's the first uh, straight track in New Zealand. Uh, construction is underway at Whanganui, has been for a little while. New rules come in February 1, 2023. How close to being ready is the track?
4: Uh, we, the... We, we expect to be racing in, or, or at least trialling, by February, uh, whether permitting Everything um, being true, so yeah, the, the fifth we'll, we'll run a, a, a number of trials on the race just to make sure it's um, it's uh, all, all that's meant to be. Uh, listeners might be surprised that the intention is it will actually be a grass surface. Um, there are, I think, four or five uh, straight tracks in Australia. Those, Kapalavar in Queensland and Richmond in New South Wales are grass. Um, Hillsville and uh, Murray Bridge in Victoria and uh, South Australia are sand. Uh, but the, uh, the 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 grass um, is easier on, on on greyhound's bones, and obviously the straight track there's no there's no stress of turning turning a corner. So uh, yeah, we're very very excited. Um, it's it's to be to be honest it's it's long long overdue um and it was been been terrific to be working with the Wanganui Jockey Club um the Hat Trick greyhound track is adjacent to the Wanganui Jockey Club track um, and the straight track's going inside the the home straight at the uh, at the, at the Jockey
0: Club track, now Michael. Uh, before we let you go, mate, um, people at this time of year are, are, are texting through each show. I, I can see text from uh, Breakfast there asking for Beavis for some tips for a Christmas fill-up. Um, I know that you've uh, you've previously been at the TAB, so you'd be all about that, mate. Um, have you got some tips for us that we might be able to fill up a couple of listeners before Christmas?
4: I would love to have. Had, I, I I actually thought this this interview had been delayed till two thirty. I'm sorry, I haven't. I couldn't tell you an animal running at this stage, but, but I've got, I've, I've got, I've got a, the, the worst punting story known to mankind, so to cheer people up, that this, this didn't happen to them. Back in, um, in, in I, Before joining the TAB, I used to work for um, uh, the INL uh, Racing Publishing Group, the Friday Flash, the Sunday Star Times and the like, and as I'd come up to Wellington for the TAB, Tim Barton from the Sunday Star Times said, oh, Michael, can you do the four lines at Trentham? So I'm, I'm there at Trenton to do the form lines. And as each racing journalist come in, I mean, the first one was Jack Gary, and he said, oh, I'm here to see the winner of next year's Melbourne Cup. He took the winner, which was in the last race at Trenton, and it won. Uh, someone went down to see Lance O'Sullivan, who had brought um, a horse. She spun down for the cuddle stakes and uh, ringed the cabin for the uh, Magic Millions race. It was that day. And, and they, they, they said, oh, Lance is really bullish. He thinks both of them will win. They did. Uh, somebody else, well, I think Mike Dillon was down from the north, and he'd been speaking to Peter Johnson at, up north. And uh, there was two horses in the pick six here that um, they both won. And that night, the five, back in those days, pick six would went, went across thoroughbreds and harness. The last league was the New Zealand Oaks at, at, um, at Addington at and I quite liked a horse called Gypsy Winkle um, over the over the staying distance. So naturally, I, so I, I fill in my pick six. I go up to the window, hand it across, and it goes beep, and I went, "Oh, what have I done wrong?" And they said it's closed. It can't be closed. The race hasn't. Been. But back in those days, pick six closed 15 minutes before the first leg,
5: <laughs>
4: and uh, I was I was about 14 minutes out. So it didn't get on. Well, anyway, I had sit there all day. And all of these just the people labelled. There were five legs labelled in one, and I so I, I was actually helping out this new T A V agent at the, the Cannons Creek T A V in Porty Royce. I went there and I. I used to I wrote a, a whiteboard up called The Pori Rua Profit, and I had Gypsy Winkle as the tip in the Oaks and it, anyway, long story short, she wins the Oaks paying thirty three dollars. There were ninety nine live units in pick six. Nobody struck it. There was no percentage betting in those days. It was a full unit, and the $325,000 carried forward to
0: the following week. Yeah, it could have been all yours. And we wouldn't have been talking, Michael. You would have been on your yacht in the Bahamas. <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey,
0: 1990. You know, I, somehow it stuck in my mind. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Hey, listen, thanks very much for your time, mate. Have a great Christmas, and uh, we'll catch you up with it. you again in the new year, eh? Will do. Cheers, Ricardo. Cheers. Bye. Michael Dore the Racing Manager for Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Let's get to the latest in news and sport.
6: Z-dab.
2: Yeah, they call it a pub crawl
0: Cause
3: the night will bring us to our knees Around 5pm there's 11 of us throwing credit cards in the world Then we pull them out like the lottery Seeing who picks up the tab We'll have a drink and get on with the next It's a marathon and it's a sprint
2: Maria's dancing around and she's singing Mariah Getting kicked out of bar number 6 Heavenly Father Can I call you Daddy? Can you take me to the
3: promised land tonight? Sister Maria Came back through the side door
0: they call it a popcorn, until Christmas it's 23 away from 11 o'clock here on SENZ. These are your summer days, thanks to Brand, your local John Deere equipment supplier. And of course, right through the month of December, we've been telling you that ABER Living are giving the caller of the month. The opportunity to win a Charmate Colt forty eight Cult 48 smoker and barbecue. And we have a winner, and this is the call that won them, that Charmate Colt forty eight Cult 48 smoker and barbecue, thanks to Ava Living. He is obviously not happy. Kenny from Canterbury uh, has called through on zero eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Good day, Kenny. How are you? Yeah, good thanks, How are you? Yeah, good thanks, mate. Um uh, I mean, are you are you a an invested Phoenix fan? You how much do you follow the A League?
7: Mm -hmm. I watch every Phoenix game, and I try to watch a wee bit of the rest of it, but um, time doesn't really allow a lot of a lot of time. Um, But everything this decision just reeks of a whole sort of FIFA corruption type
5: decision. It's just a bit ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean it does. it does, I mean, they're, they're trying to say, well, the NRL do it, the AFL do it. Yeah, sure, they do it, but they're different sports. They've got a different culture. And also, as Logan said, you know, AFL do it in Victoria every year. That's where all the most of the teams are based. In a, uh, you know, the NRL yeah. do it in Sydney most years. Well, that's because that's where most of the teams are based, is in New South Wales as well. Yeah, and um, at least the Phoenix have
4: a chance of making the playoffs, not like the Warriors.
0: Well, yeah, there is there is that, Kenny. There is that. Well said, my friend. Well said. Um, and just but on I that.
4: Of, I am a big fan of the expansion into Auckland, um, but I don't think, I've tried for 34 years and I haven't been able to take the eye patch off yet, so I don't think I'll be supporting them
0: any time soon. <laughs> yeah, all right. So you'll definitely be yellow and black regardless of what happens, yeah, unless, unless there's a red and black team, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah good stuff, Kenny. Thanks for your call, bud. Well done to Kenny. Kenny, uh, if you're listening, mate, uh, somebody will be in touch out of the office and we'll tee up a delivery date for you for your Charmate Colt 48 Smoker and Barbecue. Thanks to ABA Living. Thanks for calling through and uh, thanks to everybody else that called through as well to put themselves in the drawer for the SCNZ Caller of
2: the Month. You got to know when the whole Know when to fold up Smithy's Multi Know when to walk away And Know when to run
6: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
0: Well, the three legger yesterday came in, Logan. We had uh, the Renegades to win in the BBL. That happened. We had the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix to win in the NBL. That happened, and in the A League, we had the Central Coast Mariners to beat Newcastle. That happened. So, if you got on, well done. Uh, that one came in. Let's see if we can get another one uh, today. Trying to get you paid before Christmas. So maybe not the big, the big returns we've had in the past, but I reckon solid returns, solid enough. And I think this one will be the same. Starting today. In the NBA, we've got a couple of NBA games. The Atlanta Hawks, uh, they are at home against the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls are looking pretty wounded. They have got up to six players out. Uh, Atlanta, clean bill of health in a good run of form as well. Atlanta paying $1.43. Another one is the Cavs take on the Bucks. Now this is in Cleveland. Cleveland have won their last four on the trot and they have a fifteen and two home record this season. So they are going pretty good at home and they're paying a buck seventy-four. So throw that in there. And then tomorrow morning. In the Carabao Cup, the League Cup, this is a competition that pretty much has uh, had a monopoly by Manchester City. They've uh, been they've won it just about, I think they've won it four of the last five years. Uh, Manchester City take on Liverpool. It is at the Etihad, the City Stadium, and City are paying $1.83 to win that. So uh, being those three together, it returns four fifty five. There you go. That is your TAB multi for today. Get amongst it.
2: Are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field?
3: You're listening to Summer Days with Ricardo Ball on SENZ.
6: The Loveracing.nz update your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit Loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs>
0: It's a quarter to eleven, and uh, Shano joins us, the uh, head of racing here for
6: SCNZ. How are you doing, mate? I'm well, Ricardo. Yourself? Yeah, good, mate. What do you got for us? What's the news? Um, bit of news regarding the jockey ranks, actually. Jake Bayless, who uh, New Zealand punters would be familiar with, uh, with his stint a couple of years ago, uh, is returning to the ranks. Um, he's just he's just finished a 12 month uh, stint in Singapore, um, and he sounds like he's uh improved his riding over there and and made a made a good fist of it and now is going to spend the summer here um riding uh, over the over the summer yeah um and he starts tomorrow at matter matter so he's got eight rides um and we'll build from there
0: how does that work i mean like he comes over Mm -hmm. right to ride here for 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 the summer Mm -hmm. does is he brought over by a stable does he just ride for a trainer or
6: yeah so he uh, there's an article on the loveracing.nz website that. Uh, his time in Singapore was spent, uh, spent with Donna Logan. A lot A lot of, um, you know, Donna was a big help for him over there and she's training for Tiakao. So they will... Um, so he'll have an association with the Tiakao stable um, and also has reacquainted with Stu Lang, uh, jockey manager. So... Yep. Um, yeah, it's, I guess it's a case of if he comes over and, and has the support and the backing, and then obviously a manager like Stu, who's um, who's been around for a long time and has a lot of you know a lot of good connections, that'll that'll help him sort of get the rides he needs to to, to, to make it um, make it worthwhile.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to, to follow him in. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it'd be a guy that you would. I mean, where does he rate on the in, in terms of um, quality of jockey for you? I mean, is he a guy that you would follow through
6: a meet? Um, so he sort of he, – he, he went back to Queensland and, and, and made a good, good fist of it there. Um, in terms of the overall Australian riders, like he, there is the, the top of the top. Um, the Sydney riding ranks are where – Well, Sydney and Melbourne, but more so Sydney, I think, are the most competitive. Um, Jake made his presence felt in Queensland, and there there is enough good riders there, like Samantha Collett's there at the moment, and she's doing really well. So, Mm. um, yeah, like no doubt he's got got, um, good ability. So, yeah, he'll do well. Yeah, all right. We'll keep an eye on him, mate. What else is happening? Um, So Sharp and Smart, who uh, Graham and Debbie Rogerson's um, three-year-old, he's going to exhibition gallop at Tarapa on New Year's Day. So he was the winner of the spring champion at, uh, at Randwick through the carnival and then went on to run second in the VRC derby. So he's a pretty exciting prospect um, and he'll take on the older horses in the Herbie Dyke on Legends Day at Tarapa and then on a path to the uh, Australian derby in the, uh, the championships in Sydney. So, um, so he'll be sighted on, on New Year's Day.
0: Yeah, one to watch out for, and of course, uh, one that everybody's excited about—boxing uh, day, mate. What's 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 the
6: lineup? Boxing day. How's that looking? Yeah, so the mar- uh, the TAB have, re- have released markets for Boxing Day, mm-hmm. um, and one of the draw cards is Legato, who's the sort of boom filly, um, who's undefeated. Uh, she runs in the Eight Carat Classic, and um, the tab went up a dollar forty five. She's now dollar thirty five. So. Um, that's that's yeah. nice and short but she seems she's on, on, on a path to the three year old crack a million um, and then her sort of um, nearest rival would be Wild Knight who runs in the race after on Boxing Day um, in the Uncle Remus um, and he's a $3 favourite in that race, so um, we'll get a bit better guide on that sort of Caracameleon three-year-old race through those two. Yeah, um, and then the the Group One Cambridge Stud Zabil Classic, um, Kempy's Girl Cinerama is a three-dollar favourite, and um, and then Chris Waller's Polly Gray is six. Is it six dollars? So you talked about Polly yesterday, didn't you? Come yeah, over from Oz, yeah. Yeah, correct. She probably won't get that wet track that will you know sort of propel her to the top of the market, mm. but um, oh, I can't. say she, She'll run well regardless. So. That's sort of uh, a little bit of a you know a little,
0: little bit of a look at Boxing
6: Day. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And now uh, we
0: we are doing today on the show, mate. We're doing the um, looking at the best Christmas movies, right? We're doing mm-hmm. the Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies. Yep. So we're going to st- start unveiling those as we go. But mm-hmm. what's your go-to Christmas movie? Favorite Christmas movie? Uh, it'd have to be Home Alone. Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. I, c- I can I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. You could be a Kevin. Oh, right. when you were a kid I can see that <laughs> a little I could see that. yeah <laughs> indeed good stuff Shane don't okay, go well but no thank you Ricardo cheers so there you go that is your love racing update love nz for all your thoroughbred racing news previews replays profiles and more we'll get into the Mount Rushmore next here on SENZ you're listening
3: to Summer Days with Ricardo Ball on SENZ
0: Four away now from uh, 11 o'clock here on SCNZ Summer Days. Thanks to Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier. And we are doing the Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies. And, uh, you know, we've had a few texts in. Um, Ted said, Payback by Mel Gibson, True Romance by Christian Slater, Midnight Run by Robert De Niro and Harlem Nights by Eddie Mur- with Eddie Murphy. I don't know that any of those are Christmas movies. I could be wrong, Logan. I could be wrong.
8: Yeah, might have to do some research there. I mean, hey, if you watch it at Christmas, is it a Christmas movie? Uh, I'll go first. This one uh, came out in 2015. The Rotten Tomatoes score for it is 69%. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is a, a very nice number. Starring Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon Levitt, and Anthony Mackie from Marvel fame. It's the night before was the night
3: before Christmas, and all through the borough, the children were snuggled, their presents wrapped thorough. But this tale's not about presents, or Santa, or ponies. It's about three dudes, three bros, three ride-or-die homies.
9: Gentlemen. Fourteen years ago, to this very night, I lost my parents. You guys have been with me every single Christmas since then. You knew! But tonight, we have decided to end this tradition. Chris is just too famous to hang out with us anymore. And Isaac's about to have a baby. You have been such a rock
6: throughout this whole pregnancy. Tonight, just focus on yourself.
8: And I'll cut it there before things get interesting in the trailer, because there are certain references, but uh, it's, it's uh, a mature Christmas movie, let's say that, Ricardo, which I think might be an ongoing theme here. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one, so it might be one I have to add to the list to have a look at. Uh, my
0: first uh, entry into the Mount Rushmore is a recent Mel Gibson movie. Uh, released in 2020, uh, also had Walt Goggins in it. Walt Goggins played the bad guy, uh, and Walt Goggins, if you don't know him, he was in Justified. He played Boyd Crowder. He's in Vice Principals. He's in the Righteous Gemstones. I think he was in Sons of Anarchy for a while as well. Django and Chain. He's done lots of stuff. A great bad guy, and he is the bad guy in the movie Fat Man. Think
2: I got this job because I'm fat and jolly. <laughs> <the way. Jingle. laughs> Jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, I'm trying to ride an
10: old
2: hoist. Oh, come while you sleep. The fat man's got his eye on you, kid.
3: Hey,
9: whoa! Oh, that's Donner. Lucky it wasn't Blitzer, she'd tear your package clean off.
8: Wow, okay, uh, so that's got 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, I mean, Christmas movies typically aren't award winners, but why does Mal Gibson sound like he's trying to be Batman there? Well, the thing is, in this movie, there's a, he's Santa Claus, but he also gets, take, he
0: always gets hired by the US government for special uh, forces missions, mm-hmm. so that kind of gives you an idea, and he gives this really rich kid a piece of coal for Christmas so the kid calls in a hitman to kill
8: Santa Claus <laughs> I love it I, I think one of the things with Christmas movies I mean there's completely subjective right but no, I think a lot of it is sentimental and there's like you know the movies that you like to sit down and watch with your loved ones, I think this is going to be a big part of that list going forward. Yeah,
0: indeed. So we'll go have more of those. Keep your text coming in on that. double eight, double three. Somebody sent through planes, trains and automobiles. That is a classic. Uh, and also uh, Christmas movies. If you haven't seen Claws on Netflix, couldn't recommend it highly enough. Animated, but not Disney style. Dark humour, very funny, not saccharine and guaranteed to bring a tear to the eye. My favourite Christmas movie ever from Mikey G. Thanks very much for your text, Mikey. Latest in news and sport is on the way for you, then we're going to find out all about lacrosse, because we have two members of the New Zealand lacrosse team coming in, treat as lacrosse for dummies, because I know nothing, so I'm about to get
2: educated. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. This
3: is Summer Days on SNZ with Ricardo Ball.
0: Yes, summer days. Thanks to Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Coming up uh, in this hour, we're going to continue our Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies. We'll have a look at some of the best. We'll have a stump for you to play as well, a $50 TAB bonus bet. Could be all yours, but we're going to start with something completely different welcome into the studio Will Clarkson and Annie Muir from uh, the New Zealand lacrosse team how are you gentlemen yeah Good. great mate thanks, great. For great yeah. Yeah. thanks for having us oh mate any time any time now I have been talking this up and saying look I the amount of what I know about lacrosse I think I saw in um, some of those American Pie movies yeah. you know that's about the extent of my knowledge <laughs> um, uh, having watched that I would suggest because it doesn't really go that in depth yeah. as, as I'm sure you were uh, the lacrosse is kind of like ice hockey on grass H- how accurate or not is that Andy?
10: Uh, it's pretty accurate to be fair um, there's a couple of different forms of lacrosse uh, the one we play is 10v10 on open field the one that's probably the most like uh, ice hockey is box lacrosse which is in an enclosed space and similar to an ice hockey rink so it's much more similar but uh, pretty accurate with the speed the pace the contact stuff like that so yeah uh, pretty good description
0: yeah how much lacrosse will is played in New Zealand because you must be the, I was going to say only, but that might be an uneducated assumption, uh, one of the few Kiwis who's managed to get a scholarship to the States for lacrosse.
11: Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there's a couple There's a couple of boys over there at the moment, um, which is great. It just shows kind of the growth of the sport, and that's what we've really been pushing for the last, you know, 20 years, I guess. Um, but there's, we've got, kind of got four teams, four club teams that work in Auckland League, and then there's a league down in Waikato as well that, um, yeah, so and then we all come together for our New Zealand rep stuff.
0: Yeah, 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 cool. I mean, so how many players nationwide, Andy? Have you got? I mean, I know you're a you're part of the coaching setup, and mm. when it comes to selection, how many players are you talking about selecting from for a team?
10: I think within uh, within New Zealand, uh, it, it, probably overall, we'd probably have at least sort of. Four or 500 players overall okay. um, however we've got uh, for the trials 60 essentially trialling for the New Zealand men's team coming up so that's where it really narrows down to that level of, of, of numbers for us to choose from
0: yeah and, and the guys that uh, Will just mentioned that are, that are playing you know scholarship mm-hmm. lacrosse over in the States are they guys that I don't know if they'll, they'll have the opportunity to trial given that they're based over there. Are they guys that go, if you're there, you're good enough? Uh,
10: no, we, we have quite stringent requirements on returning to the country to trial. Uh, we need to be able to see the players. We need to be able to observe what's going on. And it also shows a little bit of a commitment to the team that they're actually buying into what's going on. Um, there's no doubt that sending guys over to the States is, is developmentally what we need to do more of. Um, it's just a level living and breathing a sport. Uh,
0: makes a huge difference and especially when you've got such quality coaches and the depth of, of play they've got over there. Well now I would imagine you've got Canada, you've got the United States right, two big countries, big populations so well how does a kid from New Zealand get a scholarship to a US college to play lacrosse?
11: Um, well there's I mean there's heaps of different ways you can do it I mean I, I work in the industry now of um, college recruiting, shout mm. out um, Platform Sports and Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah no so there's there's heaps of different ways you can get over there. Um, just agency is probably the main one, and just kind of the American coaches love love the Kiwi way of playing sport. You know, we've got you know heaps of soccer players over there. They love the physicality, yeah. Kind of you know that that rough and tough that we've been brought up with in New Zealand, so they
0: that translate quite well um, over there. When it comes to competing on the international stage, Andy, mm-hmm. where um, do we have an edge, and, and where do we lack? Um, I, I Like Will was highlighting, one of the things we don't lack
10: for is athletes, and it's one of the things we choose, um, and, and, and one of the things we, we can really excel in and bring in that physicality, um, the sort of comparable nation we have close by is Australia, who yeah. are up in the top four in the, in the world, and so we sort of in, a, in many ways have a similar style to that. Um, where we lack is just uh, the, the, the lacrosse IQ and the skill set, we're not at those levels yet, and yeah. that's the next development, that's where we need to take this, and we're, I think, really excitingly over the next 10, 20 years,
0: we're really looking yeah, we have. Uh, we were talking ice hockey the other day, actually, and we mm. were talking about the Ice Blacks uh, men's team, and I think they're in the World Champs second division, something mm. like that. Mm. I mean, how much crossover is there? Are there guys that could be dual internationals?
10: It could be. Um, we, we tend to find, interestingly at the moment, not a huge amount of crossover. Um, but I don't know why that is. I think guys just commit to one sport. And I think when you're living and breathing one sport, you live and breathe one
11: sport. And that's what takes over your life.
0: Yeah. yeah. Have we got many um, guys playing over in the Aussie system, and given how good they are?
11: So we we go over at an under 18 level. I mm-hmm. coach the under 18s New Zealand squad. And we, we go over to Aussie every year and compete in their under 18 state tournament, mm-hmm. um, which has, I mean, been the only real big development that we've had. Um, for our players coming through, um, and then that translates over to the men's stuff. But, yeah, we've got a great relationship with Lacrosse Australia. Um, they, they've always looked after us. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, I mean, we can start competing with them at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're in the top four, Andy. Where are yep. we ranked?
10: So at the moment, we finished twenty second, 21st. 21st at the last Worlds. The challenge at the moment, because it's such a heavily developing sport around the world... Is every four years, it just changes completely. So we were, um, you know, we, we were close to top ten, uh, the the world before that, um, and then it's just so much fluctuation in skill sets and development, and um, a lot of American players starting to commit to playing for their uh, home, home countries, countries um, yeah. which just puts their, you know, really boosts a lot of those countries up. So um, we're taking a slightly different tack. We're really committing to a lot of local development. Um, we feel that's a much better long term strategy rather than just pulling in a lot of players from outside
0: yeah right uh in terms of you i understand well you've got two brothers who are also playing yeah um did they go through the college system as well
11: no 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 um i mean with the college system you have to want to go to uni and neither of them wanted to study tertiary so you know there's no point but um i mean they could have easily gone i mean they're great players, so, yeah. Yes,
0: good enough. Now, in terms of positionally, I know you talked to, that we have, you know, different versions of this game, mm. Andy. Yeah. Um, what version will be at the World Champs that are coming up, and what, is, what does the formation look like? Sure, so, uh, the way it looks is you've got uh, ten people on a field at any one time, uh, obviously a goalie, uh, you've
10: got three defence, three midfielders, and three attackmen. Uh, the three de- defenders, uh, if you ever watch a game of the guys that okay, the big, long, long sticks, and they're usually big, mean, and ugly, and uh, they sort of hit people a lot, and they uh, tend to have to stay, three stay in the defending half, your three attackmen stay in the attacking half, and your midfielders do all the work on every side of the ball, they attack and defend, so you tend to have a lot of midfielders to roll on and off, so I guess similar to ice hockey, we have that full line change, we'll often have different people with different specialty skills, roll on and off, and they do a lot of running, so... Um, a lot of fitness, a lot of speed, a lot of fitness is
0: required. What you've just talked about there would mm. suggest to me that we produce a lot of defencemen. Big, 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 uh, big ugly like to hit people. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be
10: fair, but then it seems to go through fluctuations. We are coming through a good good patch at the moment. I think we've got some good guys coming through. Um, but what we've tended to have is a lot of athletes that can run. So we'll get a lot of midfielders, uh, the guys that have the specialty skill sets, uh, at either end of the pitch, that's often actually where, again,
0: we need to develop um, yeah. because it's it, it's much more refined. Mm. Uh, you can't just run a gun. How uh, affordable is the sport? I mean, what if I turned up like you know, knowing nothing, like, and I go, I want to give this a go. What's the la- uh, the so, outlay? So,
11: I mean, that's probably our biggest problem is it's it's not a cheap sport to get into. I mean, um, we've we've always got developmental gear that we can give out to people to try. But realistically you need to get your own stuff and you got a helmet you got pads you got you know your sticks are 250 bucks a pop the helmets are 300 400 bucks so it's it's not it's not a cheap sport to get into and so that's kind of you know how we're trying to develop is actually getting a good like i guess inventory of gear which we can sell like here rather than have to import it all from the states so yeah i mean and, and then traveling as well i mean we're not we're not we're not a funded sport so you know, going to Australia or going to the World Cup campaign, for example, it's all player funded. So, you know, we're really working on trying to, you know, get some get some money in the pocket, I guess. Totally.
0: Yeah. Now, I mean, the World Cup is San Diego June San Diego, next year. That's right. Yeah. Um, so uh, how many people are you going to have to take? Obviously, you've got 10 on the field. You're going to have subs. You're going to have coaches, physio, yeah. etc. Or do you pick up some of that over there? So we've got a playing squad. We'll have a playing squad of
10: 23. Um, uh, and, again, a lot of that is just a... a, a, a having a little bit of capacity for injury and obviously your midfielders, you have a lot of those rolling through. But it is, uh, often we play five games in seven days and if you've ever watched a game of lacrosse, pretty physical. So um, wear and tear is pretty, pretty serious and you're going to lose a couple of guys along the way and, and, and you've got to sort of balance that out. Coaching squad at the moment, we've got between, I think, uh, four, four or five people that will be travelling between the coaches and the management Yeah, right. um, and, and medical staff and things like that. And I, I we need to refine, but I think we might pick up one or two over there that will give us a hand with the basics as well.
0: Yeah, and so, and so I mean, if, if people um, – Want to help you guys out because I know you are looking for sponsors, you're looking for funding so you can get into a World Cup. What's the best way to get a hold of you guys? So I mean,
11: the the easiest way probably is our Instagram NZ Lacrosse on Instagram. Um, I mean, myself and a couple of the other boys, we run that page, um, so we're always handy there to reply. All the other ones, the email, um, just email admin at nzlacrosse.nz. Yeah, and um, they'll you go through to the to the board and they'll you know. They'll be there. They'll answer you. Yeah.
0: Cool. And what, what position do you play, Will?
11: So I'm a midfielder, okay. but I specialise in face offs. So I do that start, that wrestle thing at the start. Yeah, that, um, yeah, cool. Most people think it's real weird, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I do. It's a vital part of the game, that it is.
10: Vital, yeah. yeah,
0: well, you got to win the ball, right? You exactly. can't score without Pos- it. Possession's everything. Possession's yeah. everything, yeah. Um, when you go to the World Champs, how many are you going to be there? I mean, I think you said we finished twenty-first last time, right? Thirty,
11: 30 teams um, this World Cup. Last World Cup, there was like fifty something, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so they've refined that back uh, because it's grown so much. I mean, back in two thousand
10: uh, two, whatever it was, uh, there were you been playing then t- ten or 11, 11 yeah. teams. You know, we were tiny, and it grew so much that now we moved to into qualification uh, forms, and that's where we were recently over in uh, Korea. Uh, Through the Asia Pacific qualification, um, which was the first time that's ever had to happen, so um, it was a good experience. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's showing the growth of the sport internationally.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who? I mean, obviously the US, Mm. Canada. You've talked about Australia being top four. Who who are the other big nations? So there's
11: actually um, the Native Americans, the Uroquois Oh yeah, they they get to enter to the World Cup as a as their own nation. Right. So they're cool. They're always up there. Mm. They're always up there. Um, Japan. Japan. Yeah. England. um, Yeah. I mean, most of those. You know, European teams are quite good.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about the Nordic countries, because we're used to seeing Sweden yeah. and Finland and those countries up there with ice hockey. So does that cross over? Do, 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 is lacrosse big there, too?
10: They're often in, in and around with us, to be honest. Um, yeah, in that sort of, and uh, and there's that top kind of eight almost that, 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 that over the years have defined themselves and put themselves a little separate. And then from that point down through to about 20, there's a real fight. And as I say, that's where the fluctuation really comes in. And we, we genuinely, a lot of time, we turn up to worlds. We don't have a lot of uh, video scouting to, 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 to look at. And, and it's a little bit of an unknown factor as to what we're going to encounter. And
11: those countries are in that mix. Well, that was like in Korea, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, we went there and it was a bit of a shock to the system, quite, you know, the level of every other country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's going to be a real fight. You know, I kind of compare it to like the F1. You know, you look at the F1, you've got your, your top three and then the rest are just fighting for that middle. Yeah. So that's our goal, I think, um, come San Diego, is just to try and really get up to that top end of the of the middle.
0: Yeah, and, w- and what do you guys have to achieve at a Worlds to maybe be available for some funding?
11: I'm actually
10: genuinely not sure. Genuinely okay. not sure. I don't think we've ever looked... Because we're not Olympic... Um, at the moment, right. although that's looking to change over the next over the next wee while, um, suddenly that becomes a real, a, a real possibility that that we'll we'll need to get some clari- um, clarity around as to what an Olympic campaign looks
11: like and what we've, we're going We've never actually to been, I guess, we've never been in a position yeah. to really you yeah. know try and understand yeah. how that works. So yeah. you know we we're just gonna get there first. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, it's it's all new, it's all new. Now on on the stick, right? Mm. You've got a little net yeah. at the end, right? And so that's where the ball sits. Mm. If I wanted to get the ball off you, how do I do that if it's sat in the stick and on the net?
11: You hit me with your stick, or you hit me with your body.
0: I, I can hit Full you contact. or hit your stick. You hit,
10: hit the stick. Stick or gloves, but, you know, there's a little bit of grey area there. So <laughs> 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 stick or gloves, ideally. Yeah, uh, you and do then come out bruised. And then, yeah. uh, obviously, body contact. So you can, you're just not allowed to hit in the, in the back. Okay, so you're allowed you to, shoulder to, shoulder to shoulder charge as long as it's in the side or the front. Uh, and that's completely legal. So the idea is exactly that, to shelter guys and shield guys and to other people to hit them to, to knock that ball out or dislodge the ball.
0: Yeah, right, okay. That's, that's fun. Yeah, it's, it, sounds, <laughs> it, 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 it sounds brutal Sometimes. now that you've told me that. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, it's, I guess
11: that's the thing, right? Like there's so many you know, rugby players and stuff that, mm. that would love the game. they just got to come and try it.
0: Well, now yeah. you're not allowed to shoulder charge in league or rugby. I mean, yeah, you know, so, come play, l- so come play
11: lacrosse. I see yeah. well, you, yeah. you
0: need Marty to power. Yeah. You know? yeah. I don't know what he's doing these yeah, days. Exactly. But, yeah, oh, exactly. How good would he be? How good would he Time be? Time to retire at that point, I think. <laughs> 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 I mean, in terms of, I guess because there is a lot of running, I mean, just how big are the athletes? I mean, because you can't, you can't be a bruising prop size, I take it.
10: Yeah, oh, you go. well, we've got a few uh, who, who are bigger, but they'll tend to play up on attack where okay. they can use their size effectively. Well, I mean, my, my brother's 125 yeah. kilos, and he's running attack. Mm. Okay, you know, so you can. He's a front row, yeah. It just means different skill sets and different um, uh, different approaches. You know, if, too, if you're a big guy, you're going to use more of a bull dodge and try and get through the guy, and not worry about going laterally. If you're smaller, um, you know, then you're going to use a little bit of agility and try and stay away from the big guy that's trying to smoke you and put you on the ground.
0: I'm a, I'm a big football guy, right? Yep. So I watch a lot of football. So you're talking about the old school target man. It would mm. be a football who can play with his back to goal yep. um, and, and can almost set a screen for players running yep. off.
10: That's exactly right. And so it's, it's really similar like that. I mean, almost similar to basketball. You have your big man setting some picks and setting some uh, screens. And it all really depends on your, on your player personnel then about what strategies you're going to use. Are you going to try and space it out and use that, that, that quickness? Or are you going to compress it up and use some big men to, to sort of roll into the middle and just try and get some close-in shots. And I think that's where the, well, ideally and hopefully uh, us as a coaching crew can figure out what squad we've got going forward and, and try and find something that suits our play style and what we're going to have, which ideally, as we've talked about, is a good set of athletes.
0: Yeah, cool. All right, lacrosse for dummies, it's worked. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm that much more clued up now, gentlemen. Um, hey, before we let you go, uh, well, something we have been doing is we've been doing today our Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies. Right. Um, and so we're just rolling those out. Uh, Logan's, Logan's already had one. Um, I've had one. Um, we're going to roll out the, our, our other three over over the rest of the show. But have you got a, a go to Christmas movie, Andy? I mean, I, I, I kind of love to hate it, but you can't go Christmas
11: without watching Love Actually, right?
10: You okay, just can't. you love Elf.
0: Elf. Elf. Has to be Elf. Has to be Elf. All right, gentlemen. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, Anytime, man. Anytime. And best of luck um, getting to the Worlds and with your sponsorship and stuff. And, you know, uh, let us know if there's anything we can do to help uh, sort of closer to the time. eh? 100%. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers. Go well. Have a great Christmas. It is 19 past 11 here on SENZ. This is Summer Days. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier.
3: You succeed in your field. You're listening to Summer Days with Ricardo Ball on SENZ.
0: This is SENZ, thanks to Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier summer days with Ricardo Ball through till 2 o'clock today Uh, and uh, we had some uh, live football this morning, I know it's already back uh, post the World Cup, it is the League Cup or the Carabao Cup as they call it in the UK Uh, Nottingham Forest got through 4-1 over Blackburn Rovers Charlton Athletic upset Brighton and Hove Albion they won 4-3 on Pens, Uh, they are the only London team left in the comp at the quarter final stage Manchester United beat Burnley 2-0 as well tomorrow morning Man City take on Liverpool and that is uh, part of the TAB multi now if you missed it earlier uh, we did a uh, did a TAB multi yesterday's one came in we had three leagues out of Australia an A-league game a big bash game and an NBL game they all came in so we paid out yesterday so we're looking to do the same again today so you can bet live on your favourite sports just by downloading the TAB app today here is what we have looked at today for our three leg multis a couple of NBA games the Cleveland Cavaliers take on the Milwaukee Bucks. The Cavs got a 15 and 2 home record this season and they have won their last 4 on the bounce so taking them to beat the Bucks at $1.71 got the Atlanta Hawks they are also in good form and they are fully fit now. They did have injury issues but they're fully fit now. On the flip side they're playing the Bulls who uh, had a big win uh, yesterday but they are on the road and they've picked up a bunch of injuries they may have as many as 6 out so taking the Hawks to win that at $1.43 and then tomorrow morning Returning to the Carabao Cup or the League Cup, Manchester City host Liverpool. Uh, this has been Manchester City's competition for the last four or five years. They have absolutely dominated it. I expect they will do the same tomorrow against Liverpool. So taking Man City head-to-head at $1.83. Put all those together, I chuck 20 bucks on returns, $89.49. That is our multi for today. Watch a bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. And uh, Logan, are you, uh, have have you invested on that one?
8: I might. After uh, your big win yesterday, I mean, you're a pretty safe bet when uh, you say that <laughs> Southeast Melbourne Phoenix are going to beat up on the Brisbane Bullets. Well, they definitely did that. So uh, you're right on the money there. Uh, yeah, I need to get my TAB account in order to make sure I get on that because... When you're when you're on a run mate I I know you you can uh, you do all right well that was yesterday that one was I'm trying to remember what it uh, returned it paid
0: one was a dollar 40 one was a dollar 80 dollar uh, 80 and one was a dollar 60 so I think it was just over four bucks so I, I mean I I think I banked about 82 off that cuz I put a 20 on it so it's it's not bad it's good bank it's it's good beer fr- fridge filling material uh, in in summer ahead of the christmas break
8: we always need like a like a bingo card for the show, <laughs> for, for things that you'll say uh, during it like like that, fill the beer fridge. I just yeah, that one is a classic line. I love that, mate. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, there's so much. You know, we talk about sport that we're looking forward to seeing at this time of year, right? Yep. Uh, I know the Super Smash gets underway on Friday. NBL have done, have got it right. They're doing like their 12 games of Christmas. The big one, Christmas night. This is the first time it's happening uh, in the AMBL, I believe. I know there's kind of question marks around having, you know, uh, professional athletes play on Christmas night. They're like, look, wouldn't you rather that they're with their family? Um, I'm kind of in the mind that it's entertainment. And so that's your job. You're pro sportsman. Yeah, a pro sportsman. It's all part of it. I mean, it's become such an institution in the NBA, and I guess now the NBL are trying to do the same thing. But massive ones, Sydney Kings versus Melbourne United. Uh, That's at 8.30 p.m. our time. I'm really looking forward to that one. I mean, obviously, I love the breakers. But I do really enjoy watching the Sydney Kings uh, and the way they're coached by Chase Buford. They're really awesome to watch. Uh, tonight you got the Tasmania Jack Jumpers up against the Illawarra Hawks and then tomorrow uh, Melbourne United up against <laughs> the Kens Taipans which has uh, Sam Wartenberg in there from uh, New Zealand. So definitely look out for those ones. There's so much sport going on. Just because it's Christmas doesn't mean it's not happening.
0: No, that's right. And we are actually uh, putting together our Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies as well. Uh, we've already had a couple uh, that we've unveiled we're unveiling them throughout the show we uh, encourage you to join in and text through double eight double three is the temper bed post text machine temper and bed post range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort Mark has joined the party he's in Christchurch he has said gentlemen the best movie to watch at Christmas time is surely Taxi Driver uh, great Robert De Niro film that one uh, it is set at Christmas Uh, It's one of those arguments, isn't it, probably much like Die Hard. Is it a Christmas movie because it's set at Christmas? Yes. Yes, right, there you go. Uh, It does remind me of that argument because people said, oh, you know, about Die Hard, it's not a Christmas movie. It's like, as you said, if you're watching it at Christmas, it's a Christmas movie.
8: Also, I mean, with Die Hard, the, if you've ever watched one of the greatest uh, comedies of all time, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it there is a running gag throughout the entire um, run of that show that Die Hard is a Christmas movie and one of the best movies of all time. So that's a qualifier right there.
0: That's, that's a that's a great qualifier. And it, it does remind me that, that, that you will take on, if it's you're watching it at Christmas, it's a Christmas movie. There is a band out of uh, the US, kind of like a country rock band, called Midland. And they've got a song called Every Song's a Drinking Song if You're Drinking. um, Which I think pretty much uh, hits the nail on the head. Coming up uh, is Stumped. Your chance to win a $50 TAB bonus bet. Give us a call 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Let's see if we can hook you up for Christmas with Stumped. We'll do that right after the latest in news and sport.
3: Ian Smith's had a good match here.
9: Stumped by Smithy. Ian
3: Smith really is top
5: class at his job.
8: December 22 here on Summer Days on SNC with Ricardo Ball and producer Logan. It's time to play Stumped. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. Ricardo, I'm not going to give away what the categories are yet, aside from the fact you know one of them is going to be football. (laughs)
0: Well it has to be It's. it's I think it's
8: written into your uh, contract when you do summer days 100%, 100%. The, yeah.
0: It's
8: a bit like uh, if Smithy's on you have to have cricket and or golf in there
0: <laughs> And or I like that
8: <laughs> Hey got to look after the man Got to look after the man uh, But first at the crease today we're going to Geraldine And we've got Charlie coming in G'day fellas how
0: are you? Good Charlie how are you mate You all prepped for Christmas? You done your shopping etc? I don't shop for Christmas
7: mate
8: <laughs> <laughs> Love it I actually haven't done, a, done any either myself To be fair, aside from my daughter <laughs> uh, Mate, uh, the categories for you to choose from today We have basketball, football and tennis Oh, it's got to be football I know nothing about cricket, football or tennis But football is more familiar Alright, mate Well, you know Love how it. the game is played Let's go Yep Ricardo is, uh, he's getting ready, he's stretching, he's good to go. All right, first question for you, Charlie. What country has lost the most World Cup finals?
1: Which country has lost the most World Cup um, finals? Oh, Holland.
7: One of the worst
1: things I have ever seen done on
0: a cricket field Ricardo, the Dutch lost two in the 70s but I reckon the Germans have lost more that's a couple of chips down the wicket right in the slot and away it goes yep Germany have lost four there you go as an Englishman uh, Charlie that's got to bring a smile to your face regardless of whether you got the question right or not Yes, sort of, but they have also won more than we have, so. It's
8: a balance. It's a balancing act. Yeah, fair enough. Unlucky, Charlie. Back to the pavilion for you. You've been stumped by Ricardo. Next at the crease, we go to Brett from the Upper. Come in, mate. How you going, mate? Yeah, not bad. How you doing? Yeah, no, not
4: too bad,
8: mate. How was the football knowledge for you? Pretty poor,
4: to be honest.
8: So, it would be a stab in the dark, I'd say. but All right we'll see how you go with the second question who scored the most goals at the most at this uh, most recent fifa world cup
4: uh, player or team
8: player
1: uh, one of the worst things i have ever seen done on a
8: cricket field uh, i mean ricardo I know you're going to get this right. He's I know you're going to get it right.
0: Got yeah, it's Kylian Mbappe. Um, I would have to say though, Messi's not the worst answer he could have given. I think he was second.
8: That's a couple of chips oh. down the wicket. Right in the slot. And the it goes. Correct. Messi was second with seven. Kylian Mbappe, eight. He overtook him during that World Cup final. Mm, he did. He scored a hat-trick in the final and lost. So unlucky to you, Brett, as well. Uh, back to the pavilion for you. That's stumped by Ricardo. He's on the hat-trick ball now. Brad from Dunedin comes in trying to defy the odds and break the hat-trick. How are you doing, mate?
0: Yeah, good, fellas. How are we today? Good, mate. Good. How's your football knowledge?
4: Oh, mediocre.
0: Fair to middling. Fair <laughs> <mate. Theater> to <laughs> middling. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. we'll see how you go. You've got one question left. If uh, even if you get it wrong and I get it wrong, then uh, you still win. So it's all good.
8: Look, I I can take mediocrity. We can celebrate it here. <laughs> Last question for you, Brad. Name one of the five nations that had the most clean sheets at this World Cup.
4: One of. I would think Morocco, but
0: yeah, we'll go Morocco. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, uh-huh. right in the slot, and where it goes.
8: Yeah, mate. I mean, Ro- Morocco was so good in this World Cup and defensively. I mean, it just makes sense that they'd be up there, Ricardo.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, Morocco is a great shout. Um, I, w- I was going to say Croatia.
8: Yes, Croatia. I uh, would have also accepted England, Argentina, and Brazil.
0: There you go, there you go. Well done, uh, well done, Brad. $50 TAB bonus bet all yours. What are you going to do with it?
4: Oh, we have to go Boxing Day Racing somewhere.
0: There's plenty of that on, mate, study plenty of and, that on.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Do some study and, um, yeah, hopefully fill that beer fridge up, eh? Yeah, exactly, mate. If if you're filling the beer fridge, what's your what's your poison? What, what are you going for? You, I know you're in Dunn's, um, is it Spates or?
4: Yeah, that Spates Ultra Oh, space
0: time! Yeah, watching your waistline, Brad.
8: Oh, it's just far superior than the uh, brown bot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, too good, mate. Too good. Hey, thanks very much for playing, mate. Uh, congratulations. Have a great Christmas, eh? Yeah. Cheers, guys. And uh, same for you. Yeah, uh, Brad there with us. Uh, from Dunn is uh, picking up a $50 TAB bonus bet on Stunt. We've got one more uh, to do for you for the year. We'll do that tomorrow. Coming up next, it's R- Mount Rushmore, the Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies. We're going to uh, reveal a few more of our Mount Rushmore Christmas movies. You can keep yours coming in 8833, the Temper Bed Post Text Machine.
8: SENZ's Hawks Bay Ratings better be going through the roof with Izzy
2: and Smitty. You're listening to SENZ. It's Kiwi Sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. You're listening to Summer Days with Ricardo
3: Ball on SENZ.
0: Away from midday here on SENZ, your summer days. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. And we are doing the Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies. Uh, Logan, uh, you've already given us one, uh, so have I. Uh, time for your number two.
8: My number twos, are, I guess, in the world of Mount Rushmore's, this would be my third. Because uh, I am doing it kind of tiered in, in order here. This is a bit of a classic, mate. Um, when you think of when I think of Christmas movies, this is one that I probably watch almost every year, and that is Elf from 2003. Uh, that got 85 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So, wow, kinda, yeah. Okay. In terms of Christmas movies, quite beloved. That surprises me because I only discovered this movie
0: last Christmas with my daughter, and I'd never seen it before, and, and, I, was, and I thought it was.
8: Terrible, real okay. So, unfortunately, one of the best scenes from that movie is actually a deleted scene, and I I don't know. It's really hard to come by now. It sort of floats around on Instagram at this time of year. It might be on YouTube. It was like a DVD extra way back in the day when DVDs were a thing. Uh, Buddy plays ice hockey against uh, all the elves, and you imagine Buddy is well, he's an elf, but he's human size. Elves are tiny. He's ragdolling all of them.
0: Right, I knew you would love that.
8: Yeah, well, and I guess it probably got deleted because it is a, essentially a children's movie and I guess the violence <laughs> deemed inside <laughs> it in that scene probably um, not suitable for children. But yes, Alf is my pick for the next one on Rushmore. Will
2: Ferrell. Okay, people, Santa's coming to town. Ta- Santa! Oh, my God! I know him. I know him. Self. So, do you remember me? Oh, you do, I didn't recognize him. I know, I'm in work clothes. I didn't know you had elves here.
10: Well, you're, you're hilarious, my friend. Did
2: you have to borrow a reindeer to get down here? Hey, you're feeling strong, my friend. Call me elf one more time. He's
9: an angry elf. <laughs> Look
3: at you.
1: Ow. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? for the town?
8: Yes, that was Peter Dinklage um, beating up on uh, Will Ferrell (laughs) (laughs) there as as Buddy the Elf.
0: Yeah, uh, Peter Dinklage, if you uh, don't know who that is, he uh, played uh, Tyrion Lannister in Game of Thrones.
8: Also, by the way, there's something about, while I was getting the audio for this uh, Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies, there's something about 90s and 2000s movie trailers they're just really hit different to movie trailers today. Okay. I don't wow. know if it's the nostalgia or just the way they're put together. Just I feel like the storytelling behind them is just so much better than like now you see a movie trailer. It's like cool. I've seen the movie.
0: Yeah, well, some of them, some of them, I think. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I think it, it leaves a lot more to the imagination. Those ones. Uh, well, I'm going to give you my second one now, and I think it's one that'll be on most people's lists. Um, and if if it's not on your list, then don't talk to me, uh, because uh, it is uh, for for me. It is one of the all time classic Christmas movies.
2: It is Die Hard. Welcome to the party, pal. This Christmas. It's a time of miracles, so be of good cheer.
5: Only John can drive somebody that crazy.
2: Get ready to jingle some bells. And deck the halls. Holy with with bows of Bruce Willis. Mother to the coast. We get together, have a few laughs. Alan Rickman. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? You became mother. Together in the greatest Christmas story ever told. Die Hard. This is their idea of Christmas. I gotta be here for New Year's. (laughs)
8: i got to be here for New Year's. See what I mean about trailers of that era, Ricardo?
0: So good, so good, and such a great movie. And my daughter's just turned 10, and so I'm starting to have that conversation with my partner about whether it's time to introduce her to Die Hard.
8: (laughs) I love it. And if there was ever a question about whether it's a Christmas movie, it was right there in the trailer. It was marketed as a Christmas movie.
0: (laughs) 100%, 100%. All right, what's your, I was going to say your number two, I already did number two, what's your number three?
8: Look... I feel like, I mean, this is on TV every year. We know it. Whether it's the first one or the second one, I would say the second one is bigger and better in every way. It's Home Alone, too.
2: Hiya, pal. Take the halls with Barb and Harry. Yes. Yes. Make their Christmas not so merry. Give them bricks and give them riches. One for Christmas in the trenches. (laughs) (laughs) Toss some paint cans down to greet them. Send the toolbox down to meet them. Serve the nails for Christmas dinner. Kevin is declared the winner.
8: Kevin is the winner, and Kevin is one sadistic kid because the amount of <laughs> the amount of, well, let's say, cartoon violence in that movie, I remember seeing posts where they' would say, "Look, those um thieves." Would have died at least ten times from (laughs) just a concussion alone.
0: Yeah, it just shows you how tough Joe Pesci is. (laughs) To keep coming back again and again and again. Yeah, that and the first movie I've watched those a lot with my daughter. She absolutely and she absolutely rinses herself on the couch like she's just. They're timeless, man. They're
8: absolutely timeless. I did a Christmas in New York one year. wasn't anything like that movie, but it was a great time.
0: Yeah, awesome. All right, Uh, here is my third. Um, And this is recent, really recent. It only came out this month, actually. And I've just gone, oh, yeah. It's like somebody got inside my brain and made a Christmas movie from what they found in there. Uh, It's got David Harbour in it, who is, if you've seen Stranger Things, he's the sheriff in Stranger Things. And he is fantastic as Santa Claus in Violent Night.
3: Santa Claus is coming to town.
2: Meetings.
7: Who the hell are you?
5: Boss, what if he
3: really is the There's real? There's no such thing as Santa.
9: He's Batman. They're all on my naughty list. Naughty. That's naughty!
2: And what do you do to the naughty ones?
0: I give them a lump of coal.
2: Where is it? I gotta watch. Well, I believe in you, Santa.
0: Wow. wow! Yeah, and that lump of coal that he's talking about uh, in the trailer—you obviously can't see—it's a, it. a hand grenade down the <laughs> pants. Um, so yeah, and he walks away. He goes, oh, "I've got to watch." He turns around and watches it. But uh, yeah, the, the whole the story is basically—it's a big mansion out in the middle of nowhere, a rich family who have got for some reason a vault in their house with three hundred billion dollars in it, and the baddies come in to rob the vault, and they come in just as Santa comes down the Christmas uh, down the chimney. Yeah, and uh, one of them starts to beat up on Santa, so he gets involved, takes it personally, and cleans house.
8: Well. Wow. It sounds like I have a movie to watch uh, on Christmas night with my football-loving lo- uh, brother-in-law.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Violent Night, do it. Do it to yourself. It is a fantastic watch, and uh, it is one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies. As you can see, the saccharin stuff doesn't—I'm I'm not a big fan, so I've, I've, I've got to go slightly more adult.
8: Yeah, that's that's a, a word that I've learned today, sacron. Mm. I, I don't believe I've— uh, Heard that before, but of course not being overly sentimental, which is what a lot of Christmas movies are. And I know I mentioned rotten tomato ratings for the movies before. *Violent Night* has a seventy-three percent, so oh. that's not doing too bad.
0: That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean saccharin is fake sweet, right? Yeah. So it's just it's basically cheese.
8: Just piling it on. Yeah. Uh, *Home Alone* two in nineteen ninety two. This is a classic, guys. Thirty five percent. Old rotten tomatoes. People don't like it. Well, I think the people like it. I think the critics don't. I think maybe they just need to uh, cheer up a little bit.
0: Well, it was in 1992, but also, of course, uh, a guy who's a modern-day, I would say modern-day villain for most people, uh, does make an appearance in that movie.
8: Yeah, no, I'm not even mentioning his name. We'll move right along. (laughs) Die Hard, though. Uh, hot, top of the list here in terms mm. of ratings 94%. Boom. 94%. Instant classic.
0: Yeah, 100%. 100%. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, keep your texts coming through 8833. Your recommendations for Christmas movies as we put together Our Mount Rushmore. It is seven away from midday.
8: SCNZ. It's Kiwi for Sport.
2: Call anytime 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field.
3: You're listening to Summer Days with Ricardo Ball on SENZ.
0: couple of minutes away from midday, a few texts coming through on double eight double three. Jason in uh, Maroola Bark, Melbourne, Victoria, wishing us all a happy Christmas. A year to you and yours as well, mate. Uh, Mike has suggested uh, not only Die Hard, but also Christmas Vacation. He reckons tied for top spot for him. Uh, keep your movies rolling through. your your recommendations as we do our Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies here today. We'll uh, complete that uh, sometime in the next hour. Of course, a uh, reminder that we have Phoenix Nation from 1 o'clock as well. Scott Wooten, Natalie, Natalie Lawrence, Daniel McCarty on the show uh, after 1 o'clock. In the next hour, though, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of motorsport chat. Uh, Wayne McLaughlin. Uh, Scott McLaughlin's dad talked to Smithy after he won the Toronto Grand Prix uh, and uh, we're going to play that interview back from 12.30. Also, Eric Thompson, uh, one of our Top motorsport riders. He's across everything. We're going to talk to him mainly about the Cemetery Circuit races at Wanganui uh, starting on Boxing Day, but we'll get his take on the year in motorsport, what some of the Kiwis are up to, too. And, you know, the latest that has come out of Formula One with the director of Formula One basically uh, saying to the drivers, you're not allowed to say anything political or voice your opinion on anything, basically. It's effectively gagging all the drivers in F1. It'll be interesting to see how that goes down with some larger-than-life personalities in that sport who generally don't like being told what to do, I think it's fair to say. So we've got all of that coming your way here on SENZ. This is your summer days, thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Up next, though, the latest in news and sport. We'll hear from Araha and then we'll catch up with Eric Thompson on
2: motorsport brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. This is Summer Days
3: on SNZ with Ricardo Ball.
0: It's three past midday here on Summer Days. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. We'll uh, play that interview with uh, Wayne McLaughlin a little bit later on in the hour. Scott's dad. Um, this was a smithy interview that he did earlier in the year after the Toronto Grand Prix that Scott Dixon won, equaling the Mario Andretti record. Scott McLaughlin finished ninth. That, we'll, uh, we'll play that interview for you after at 12.30, but we're going to start the hour with more motorsport. Eric Thompson joins us, uh, one of New Zealand's leading motorsport journalists. Get AET. How are you, mate?
7: Yeah, good, thanks, Ricardo. Yourself?
0: Yeah, good, mate. Long time no, no speak. I hope you're well. I know. <laughs> no, I'm very well, thank
7: you. It has been a while between drinks, but it's good to catch up.
0: Indeed, mate. Indeed. How excited are you about boxing? Are you going to get to Wanganui for the Cemetery Circuit?
7: No, I'm not this year. I, it's been a few years since I've been there, but I do have fond memories of actually racing there back in the full Give away my age now. I'd be the late 70s, probably. When it was part of the Marlborough series, the Mulbera International Series, when you had the likes of Oh Hansford, Warren, Willing, Wes Cooley came out, I think a couple of times, Steve Parrish, um, you know, and just a whole plethora of, of absolutely incredible riders. It was a bit like the Tasman Series with um, four-wheel drive with race cars. It was just that I think it was three or four seasons where you just had some of the best in the world came out.
0: Well, we're gonna have some-
7: um, and raced around. Uh, five five rounds through, throughout New Zealand. The great Roger Freak with his weird bike with the wings on the front and the rear, which was soon banned. But um.
0: Lots Lot, of good stuff. Yeah, lots of good stuff, mate. I mean, we go into this one, uh, I think they raced at Manfield not too long ago, and Richie Dibbon, who's actually from Wangan, who's leading the series at the moment, mate. Um, uh, I don't know how much local knowledge uh, would help in this, given that the I, I know it's the street that you can ride around, but you can't ride around it like they're going to be riding around it on Boxing Day.
7: No, I think local knowledge would be quite good because he could you know, pop out and just have a have a ride around the place. It's a really tricky place, especially if it rains because there's a lot of white
6: lines
7: (laughs) which can get a bit slippery and it literally goes through part of the cemetery. So um, I I think with all the rain that we've had recently, um, it's probably cleaned the road up quite a bit um, because sometimes in summer if you don't get a lot of rain on normal roads, they get sort of inlaid with oil and dust and it makes it really, really slippery, really difficult to maintain. But with all the weather... We've had, hopefully, it's, clean. it's cleaned the, the, the street up. And, and it is the bastion of the brave. Slightly stupid, if you're going to win around there. <laughs> where you just hold your breath. Cause, uh, I mean, I'll put that in there a little bit. You've got to be a bit, bit, bit bat guana crazy, I think, to go hard around there. Um, especially, again, it's like most street circuits. And it's the same for cars, but even more so for bikes. You've got the crown in the middle of the road. Yeah. Um, all roads have a slight crown and if you get on the wrong side of the crown it's a, you know, it's a, you fall off the camber of the road and it's, you know, there's just lots to try and remember and because they only use it once a year, it's not as if you know, like you rightly said, Ricardo, it's not as if you can go and pay a track fee and spend all, all day howling around the place you can ride it at normal pace but that's not going to help you too much well, it'll probably help you to know where, whether it goes left or right, but that's about it really
0: Yeah, that's about it. I mean, it's interesting to see I mean, I know that, um, you know Richie's going going really well. He's leading that series uh, on that Suzuki RMZ450. He's also racing in the Formula One Superbike Series on the GSX-R1000 as well, so he's going to be a busy boy on the day. That's going to be pretty hard on the body, I would have thought.
7: It'd be pretty hard on the body, and I think, if anything, the 450 would, would be my choice of weapon around there. I think the Formula One thing is just going to have so much horsepower and so much grunt. She'll be a bit of a handful.
2: Yeah. But,
7: you know, like you said, he's he's leading... You know he's leading the championship with the series, so you know he's looking good. So, I mean, it's like anything, especially around there. If you can stay on, you're in with a chance.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean those those races are are always fun. So get down and, and check them out, uh, particularly after just over a week ago. You know, Manfield uh, they were spinning around there. Richie Dibbon is leading the way. Um, oh, I don't know if this is actually televised, Deric. Do, do you know how to follow it?
7: Um, you probably find somebody with streaming it. Yep. Um, there's a lot of even individuals now. I mean, it's just a matter of just keying into the, you know cemetery circuit, Wanganui, you know championship, and just find there'll be probably somebody, yeah, streaming it yeah. somewhere. But well, I, off the top of my head, I don't, I haven't, I haven't sat down and had a look yet.
0: So, okay. Um, All right. Well, that's, that's one. That's one something to do. Boxing. You now, if you got, uh, if it's raining, put your feet up and, and watch that. Is it, uh, how akin to it is is it, to the Isle of Man? Do you think? Is it? I mean, it's the closest you get in New Zealand.
7: Um, I, I've always been a bit dubious having been fortunate enough to have raced at the Isle of Man. And I will say the proviso, I did the Manx. I did not do the TT. Same circuit, same racing, but the TT is just full of super crazy people. Just average crazy people <laughs> do the, and, um, there's nothing ready to compare it. The nearest thing I would probably say is the long, the full green hell, the Neuschfeldt ring um in germany that would to me would be the closest what the older man's got is it's just so long i mean 50 odd kilometers that's just like one lap so you know I'm trying to remember everything where it is, all is and you know when you're going up through gooseneck and across the top of the mountain you know it can be misty and wet up there the you man and when you get down through douglas down on the sea level again it can be brilliant sunshine so I mean, let's just say they'd be distant cousins.
0: All right, there. okay, that's good. That's good. All right, mate. Hey, listen, Et, we wanted to talk about a few other things in motorsport from throughout the year mm-hmm. as well, uh, and and how some of the Kiwis are going, have been going. We heard about Liam Lawson, of course, um, you know, getting the Super Formula drive in Japan, which is great news. But uh, one that maybe has flown under the radar a little bit is Marcus Armstrong.
7: Yes, um, I'll just say uh, I'm really interested in seeing how Liam Lawson goes in that Super Formula. Because I think one of our most underrated by a country mob, because he's so um, you know, self-facing, just gets on the job, is Nick Cassidy, mm. who's just achieved... If you look at his CV, I mean, he's just about ticked everything off. But it's just, you know, he's avoided um, Formula One. But um, and I think rightly so. He just realized that it was just too political. Um, but he won that super formula in Japan, Nick Cassidy. And that's when... There were a couple of now Formula One drivers were racing when he was there, so he won it. So it'll be really interesting to see how Liam Lawson goes in that championship, because uh, Nick Cassidy set that benchmark quite high by winning that series. You know, it's a it's a pretty it flies the series itself flies a little under the radar. I'm glad that Liam Lawson's doing it because he's getting a lot of coverage press now, so people will get to see because those cars are pretty much the same as a Formula One car, power wise and speed. They're beasts, Ricardo man handle that around and I think that's why Dr. Helmut Marco has sent um, Lawson out there. Um, you know, it's, uh, tightly contested and very powerful cars. But for me, the great thing I'm looking forward to, I mean, I wish Liam all the best, of course, but is to see Marcus Armstrong in IndyCar. That's three Kiwis racing IndyCar, Scott McLaughlin, Scott Dixon and Marcus Armstrong. And um, he's not doing the oval courses. This, uh, next year in 2023 but he's doing all the street and road courses. Um, they'll ease him into the ovals at some stage um, and he's with Chip Ganassi Racing, you know, one of the powerhouse teams, you know, one of the two best, them and Penske basically are the ones to beat and um, he said he gets on well with Scott imagine having Scott Dixon as a mentor and somebody to help you in your team <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, How good just How good is that and it's also like and also the interesting thing there are three other New Zealanders in the feeder series, there's um, Billy Fraser, um, Hunter McElray and I. Good Lord, I can't remember the other guy on the road to Indy, the road to Indy. So are there are three more Kiwis just bubbling under the surface there. Yeah, well, I was quite. That could su- be the destination now.
0: Yeah, totally, man. I mean, I was quite surprised when you mentioned Marcus Armstrong because I hadn't heard that. I assumed that the next Kiwi there would be Hunter McElray. I mean, how far away do you think he is?
7: Well, he did really, really well last year. Got a couple of wins at the podiums. If he could finished in the top three or if he could win it in 2023 I would, he, somebody will snap him up
0: Yeah he will um, be, be there or thereabouts, what, what about Marcus then uh, you said that they're not going to race him on ovals, so how does this contract work, because obviously he's, he's not going to be able to, you know um, a challenge for the series title if he's only racing in, in the street races, right? Yep,
7: um, this is for him to, because basically he's not sharing because they've renumbered the car it's the number 11 car now but it was jimmy johnson's number 47 i think jimmy's only going to do the ovals i think so i think this is a transition period because marcus i mean this deal was only signed about a week and a half ago so um you know it's 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 relatively new but marcus had been out there testing with dale coin racing and did really really well was super quick and Dale Korn himself said, well, oh boy, I would like to have him in my team. So he would have been... Um, and I chatted to him last week, and he just said it was basically... He'd sort of been having on-off chats with Ganassi, but nothing was firmed up, and they actually came knocking on his door, saying, look, we'd like you to, you know, come on board. And it's also, you think about it, um, a bit of succession planning.
0: Mm. That is clever. Because, you know,
7: Scott's not going to be racing there for, forever, you know, and... Um, Marcus is 21, I think. So, you know, young fella. And some of the ex, like Ericsson and a few others in the Ganassi squad are, you know, been around a fair bit. So, you know, I reckon Ganassi's just looking for, to get some young blood in there. Which, so, which,
0: and, you know, well, I was going to say, so can they, you know, the number 11 car you talked about, can they enter the car in the championship rather than the driver? Does it, does it work that way, given that they're going to split the drives?
7: You've nailed it, mate. In America, it's the car that's entered, not the driver. Right. And it's the same in NASCAR. That's why an American commentators always go, the number 53 car, the number 47 car, the number 9 car. It's just, it's the car because you can, it, for, for example, for your listeners, the, at the Indianapolis 500, the car qualifies, not the driver. So you can stick a driver in the car to qualify it, but he will not necessarily, they'd hardly do it anymore. But back in the day, They used to have specialists qualify the car. So, you know, the number nine, say Dixon's car, the number nine car is qualified, but you can stick, you know, you can stick whoever you want in it.
0: Yeah, all right. Hence why
7: the commentators always call the car number out when they commentate.
0: You learn something new every day, Eric. You learn something new every day. Hey. my head is a warehouse of useless information. <laughs> you mentioned there, you know, is the uh, IndyCar being the go-to, a lot of people going there. And a lot more eyeballs on it. It feels a lot more visible. I don't know if that's just in New Zealand because we've got more Kiwis in it now or if, or if that's a, a trend around the world because... You know, F1 has that elitism to it, and now we've uh, seen, you know, the, the, the man who's taken over from Bernie Eccleston and running it uh, basically trying to gag his drivers and saying, or oh. you know, the drivers and saying they're not allowed to make any statements that are any in any way political, etc., etc. I mean, I would imagine uh, this is going to go down like a cup of cold sick with those F1 drivers, because they don't like to be told what to do by anybody.
7: Yeah, I think there'll only be a small small margin or small proportionism I quite like the idea I don't want to listen to Lewis Hamilton tell me how to live my life and quote on saving the planet and being nice to people and everybody when he flips around the world in a private jet and doesn't actually do anything helping I don't I don't need him pontificating on about stuff Um, you know but you know it's not a bad thing for me I know I'm being a bit contentious here and probably swimming against the stream but I just like watching sports people in general do their sports, and, you know, when they say, oh, it's a role model, the only role model you have in your life, Ricardo, is your parents, not sports people. It's not their gig, it's not their job.
0: They didn't sign They're up for it, Eric. On with it. No, yeah.
7: exactly, mate. So, you know, so I think, because if you think of all that Black Lives Matter thing with Lewis Hamilton and mm. drivers kneeling and all the contention that happened all around that, and, you know, you're sort of thinking, and also, from their perspective, they go into Russia, they go into the Middle East, so when you had Vettel saying Coming out wearing rainbow armbands and saying, you know, like inclusion and all that, we all agree with inclusion. We all think it's a great idea, um, and it should happen just by nature. I don't think you need to scream and yell at people about it. So, and and the the FI will be looking after their bankers and the people who pay an awful lot of money to go, you know, to hold an event there. So it's it's all politics.
0: Mm, It is all politics. I kind of I get what you were saying, but yeah, it it does. I guess. You know, if 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 I was in America, I'd be uh, beating the old uh, freedom of speech drum, right?
7: Hmm. I mean, you, you can, but then again, if you sign up to be part of a, you know, it's like to me, it's people who, when they sign up to do something, and then they rail against the storm. And if they go back and look at their contract that says you can't do this, so don't sign the contract. Or if you want to be a political figure, go go pick something else to be a political figure. If you want to be a race car driver, be a race car driver.
0: All good, mate. All good. What good. else? What else did I? My- yeah, what else stood out to you in 2022, if we're looking back at that as a year in motorsport for New Ze- from a New Zealand point of
6: view,
7: To me, two things was actually seeing probably the greatest talented driver cross-discipline is Shane Van Gisbergen. I cannot believe he's won, he finished third in the WRC at a round of the World Rally Championships. He finished third on the podium He's won a rally in Australia. He's won rallies here. He's won in GT cars. He's won at supercars. And, you know, he's the current New Zealand Grand Prix winner in an open wheeler. Go, just how? You know, like, I just, I shake my head. that being able to stick him on a motocross bike and I guarantee you'd win a motocross race.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, it's interesting, just uh, this week we saw, I can't remember who it was, but somebody suggesting that, you know, Scott McLaughlin's adapted so quickly to IndyCar that he you know, he probably wouldn't find a switch to Formula One um, too difficult either. Where are you on A, that, and and where the giz goes next, given that he's kind of conquered everything that he's done so far?
7: I think you'll see him do more rallies, to be honest. And he's also trying to negotiate around his supercar's commitments to do more racing in the States and tintops. He's a class winner of the, is it the Rolex 24 hour race or one of the Sebring? It's one of those, you know, he's a class winner of that. Um, so he just wants to race. he just wants to race anything, anywhere. So, um, so I've just had a thought. I wonder if you'll pick up powerboat racing at some stage. Um <laughs> No, that would
4: but,
0: not surprise you know, but,
7: me. But you know, like you're saying about Scott McLaughlin, I don't, Formula One, I don't know. First of all, you'd have to have an enormous checkbook. And um, I can't see Penske getting involved in um, Formula One. You know, Andretti is trying to get a team. Um, Michael Andretti is trying to get a team together for that. I just don't think it's Penske will be looking at that. Okay. Um, one other great thing from the year yep. is Emma Gilmore became the first McLaren woman racer to podium in that extreme, in the last race of the Extreme E. And she's been signed up again, so she's been signed up next year, full-on McLaren, racing for McLaren. And my heart goes out, the, you know, the not the heartfelt story because Courtney Duncan doesn't, uh, you know, agree with that or fly by that. But that poor woman, she's contested, she has led the seven... Women's World Motocross Championship. She's contested over the last seven years. She has led every single round of those, and she's either won it or been pulled out by injury. And again, this year she was leading it by a country mile, got injured, had to miss two rounds, came back in the last round and clean swept the field. She finished fourth or fifth or something. But that, you know, how much bad luck can you put up? But, but she's, I mean, she could have seven world championships, seven of them.
0: Yeah, she's With an amazing rider. Crashes. Yeah. She's yeah. an
7: amazing woman, young woman, that.
0: Yeah, nice. Good stuff, Eric. Really appreciate you coming on, mate. Uh, what's, what's the plan for Christmas?
7: Uh, me getting some, some more surfing. Yeah. Um, a few dawn raids. It's been great this week because it's been absolute rubbish for the last six months. Um, we've decided just to chill around, you know, like, because we live up in Walkworth, we've got um, access to all these beaches. And so we're sort of going to look at our house as an Airbnb. And then go go out every day, but come home.
0: Yeah, nice. I like Merry it. Christmas. All yeah. right, mate. Well, enjoy not, it.
7: Not, not, not go to. What about you, mate?
0: Uh, you I'm, much? I'm off next week, working the week after, off the week following. So we'll just be doing day trips based out of Auckland. All
7: right. Good That'll on be on us. Well, good. mate, I wish you, your producer, and all the crew, and all the listeners, a real cool and groovy Christmas and New Year.
0: Yeah. You too, brother. You too. Go well, mate. Enjoy it. Thanks, Ricardo. Talk soon. Yeah, will do. Thanks, E.T. Appreciate your time. It is uh, 12.21 here on SENZ. This is your summer days. Thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier.
2: Brandt are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. You're listening to Summer Days
3: with Ricardo Ball on SENZ.
0: It's 11-12-27, uh, I should say, here on SENZ, Summer Days, thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere uh, equipment supplier. And, Logan, we have been doing our Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies throughout the show, and uh, we we need to announce the last one, which we will do because we both agree on on the last one, so We've left that to last. But do you want to recap us on what we've gone through so far?
8: Yeah, we agree on something. We agree on something. Uh, So My Mount Rushmore so far is The Night Before, ALF, and Home Alone 2. Three very different movies. Home Alone 2, I don't think I need to say anything about that. ALF- also, another Christmas classic, this one with Will Ferrell. Love him or hate him. It's quite a good movie. I know you don't like it, but anyway. Uh, and then The Night Before, uh, Seth Rogen, if you like his sort of sense of humour, you like something a bit, um, it's almost like a stoner comedy in a way. Um, there is definitely some references around um, you know, that sort of activity, but it, great movie, really hilarious. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is also very good in it. And of course, yours, you've got Mel Gibson, and Fat Man, Violet Knight, which just looks incredible. I'm definitely watching that. And yep. then Die Hard, instant classic, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. So that's
0: where we are. Those are our six so far, um, three each. Uh, but we have agreed on the last one, Logan.
8: Yep. I'm not even going to say it. I'm just going to play it. Surely you know it. Surely you know it. It's Christmas time. What do you want? What do you want? What are you doing? When it came to
3: holiday spirit The
6: who's here It's Santa I'm on my last break, okay?
3: Willie's never had it It's not real Well, it was real I got sick and all the hair fell out How'd you get sick? I loved a woman that wasn't clean
2: Mrs. Santa?
3: No, it was her sister Oh, no But he's gonna get it You're that kid
2: Where's
3: your
2: sleigh? It's in
3: the shop. Where
2: are the reindeer? I stable them. Where's the stable? Next to the shop. How do they sleep? Are you messing with me? There's something about the guy that makes me uneasy. Maybe there's something I could fire him for. A man is a sexual being. Yeah. Now, a hopeless kid. Wedgie. And a Santa nobody liked. Are teaching each other a lesson. Is that
3: your underwear? Part of it. Where's the rest of it? Actually, I don't want to know
8: bad santa, <laughs> santa. two thousand and three, seventy eight 78 percent on rotten tomatoes what a classic starring billy bell thornton and lauren graham from gilmore girls fame who goes on a complete turn here into the kind of characters she normally plays um one of my favorite scenes in the movie we completely cannot air on the radio we'll get cancelled <laughs> but it is such a good movie if you haven't seen it Watch it. I'm. Um, there's a bad Santa too, Ricardo. Yeah, I don't think you've seen it. I, I definitely haven't. haven't seen it because I'm worried about it ruining the legacy of the first movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent because that uh, that first movie is an absolute dead set classic. That's why it's on the list. Hundred percent. That's why it's on the list. If you have not seen that, uh, make sure you put it on after the kids are in bed. I'll
8: just say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a theme in this Mount Rushmore, Ricardo. Uh, there's a lot of movies like that, especially on your side of things.
0: Oh, oh, I see. I, I see. I'm, I'm getting picked on here. Uh, <laughs> but, uh,
8: but that's all right. I don't mind. You I'm, have taste. Is what I'm saying. You have a certain taste in movies yeah. uh, like you do with your music. I'm all for it, bro. I'm all for it. Okay. All good. Uh, what about
0: near misses? For me, I'd say the nightmare before Christmas of all the – I guess mainstream Christmas movies probably the one that I don't I hate the least.
8: Yeah, that's fair, and I think probably adding to that, just going back on the nostalgia, uh, you know, growing up on Christmas in the '90s in New Zealand. I mean, we don't really have any good New Zealand uh, Christmas <laughs> movies. I know our outrageous fortune tried to do one, but I mean, most of our Christmas movies are American. And I remember, you know, Tim Allen and Santa Claus and uh, Arnie and Jingle All the Way. He was Turbo yeah. Man. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, Santa Claus as well. Just great Christmas movies. Just a lot of fun. There's there's so many good ones.
0: Yeah, we'll keep them coming through. Um, Christmas Vacation starring Chevy Chase is one of the National Lampoon ones. Uh, did get, get a shout as well, but I haven't seen that. So that might be one we have to look up as well over the break. Keep them rolling through, double eight, double three. When we come back after news and sport, uh, we're going to hear one of Smithy's interviews of the year with
8: Wayne McLaughlin, father of Scott.
10: It's done it in Toronto
8: talked to us about it before, but how do these words ring? You have as many IndyCar wins as Mario Andretti.
9: It's amazing, you know, honestly, to, to be close to Mario, you know, uh, every time I'm asked these questions, I'm just so thankful that we still have AJ and him in the pits, you know, and we get to see them, we get to talk to them, you know, it's just fantastic. So it's uh, it's huge, man, just uh, feel so lucky to, to be a part of this group, and, uh, you know, even the other cars that had a rough qualifying, we're able to get right back up there, so uh, hopefully we're kind of in the, the title hunt now.
0: Yeah, back, going back to July 18, when Scott Dixon uh, won the Toronto Grand Prix, equaled the record by Mario Andretti, and, uh, Scott McLaughlin at that race was ninth. Uh, Ian Smith was on air at the time. Wayne McLaughlin, Scott's dad, was there for the race, and he talked to Smithy post race.
9: Tell us uh, how special it's been uh, the time um, uh, that you've been able to spend with uh, with Scott over the last month, having been away from him for so long and watching what he's been doing from afar. Huh? How's the family time been? Oh, it's been you know,
5: it's been electric. You know, like it's just been great for Don and I. Um, we were very fortunate to have our daughter and Scott's sister here as well um, for IndyCars because at that stage we hadn't seen each other for, we hadn't been together as a family for three years. So to do the Indy car thing was just mind-blowing. Unfortunately, you clipped the wall there, but um, we moved on. And, you know, um, just to have the experience um, to see IndyCar, until you've seen it live, it's just unbelievable. It's, it's 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 so competitive. It's so fast. It's so tight. It's um it's just been a, and so well well executed. You know the whole category is so well it's ex- executed. The team um, team have been fantastic. I, I, I say it to anyone. You know I think Scott's been the best team in the world. Kinsky um, is just you know second to none. He's got a great group of guys around him, and once again he's built a good team with guys. He's got a you know good camaraderie with them. So um. And to experience that and to be welcomed and to see America to this level, I think we've just done our sixth race, so um, yeah, it's been exceptional. Um, something that probably never, ever forget, that's for sure. You know, never thought we, <laughs> never thought as a young fella at seven years old in the go-kart we'd ever be here, mm-hmm. but um, <clears throat> without a doubt, you know, Toronto was probably the, the toughest track of all. It's very narrow, it's so much like Homebush in Sydney, but no, it's been exceptional, you
9: know. So uh, Wayne, uh, during race on race, I mean it's it's a, it's not just the race. It's an it's a you know it's a such a long event each each week uh, each IndyCar week. Uh, how close uh, have you and Diane uh, been to Scott in, in terms of uh, access accessibility? Um, you know, In those w- build-up days and and on race day, where do they put you, etc.? Yeah, and
5: no, I look at, at Penske, at Team Penske. You know, like Roger and his guys. You know, Tim Sindrick and They've just been so welcoming. Um, we've got a path that gets us. We just go anywhere. We can do anything we like. Basically, We're in the pits, um, I've been standing on the um, pit wall with Kyle in the pit box. You know, in the in the um, what we call you know the, the heart of the thing um, with the three engineers, the guys from Chevy with Guy and I right there. Um, so we've we've had to be, we've been able to experience everything. you Know from watch the pits pit stops and instead um, of preparation, these cars are, the, well I've never seen a space capsule but they're as close to a space capsule I could imagine, the presentation is just um, second to none you know, they're just, um, they're just a refined capsule um, but like I said before, until you've actually seen a live Indy car race it's just, I, I always you though, from what we saw on TV guy and I watch it, you know it's, um, it's fast but until you actually experience it it's just, a, it's the next level, you know, it surely is, it's unbelievable, but um, we've been treated so well by the team, and very proud of Scott, the way that he's um, managed to pull the team together, and you know, that he's got the respect of everyone, so we're very proud of that fact that, you know, and you know, great great today if um, our Scott didn't win, but it was it was pride for and I to walk up to Scott Dixon this afternoon and shake his hand and congratulate him, you know, because we had a little bit to do with him since we've been here him and his wife Emma, but um to see him win today was you know and you know you know, see another Kiwi on you know, equal to Mario Andretti was man, mind blown. So um yeah. not all bad day really, you know, like we went from fourth to ninth, but at least Scotty Dixon got through, you know?
9: Yeah, like Absolutely, I mean, you, you mentioned anyone's name in the same breath as Mario Andretti. Um, you, you're saying something pretty special. Uh, but last, uh, the last race, of course, uh, it was your time. Uh, you were able to watch uh, your own son, Scott McLaughlin, win at uh, Mid Ohio. Um, that, it, I mean, that has just got to be something unbelievably special to see that. Oh yeah, look,
5: you know, I mean, this pole boy oh, it wasn't even a tenth. You know, look, it was just unbelievable. And got a good start and just kept his head. One thing about Scotty is thing I'm very proud of him as far as he can keep his head in a tough situation. But um, those last 13 laps, they were they were pretty pretty anxious. Um, And uh, it was an awesome thing to see and to witness. And he, you know, obviously when we came to America and not seeing each other as a family for three years, what could have been a greater gift than to see a win and. um, We never said nothing to. We never even mentioned it to him because we didn't want Scott any pressure or anything. But obviously he was. He'd sort of told the team the same thing. God, I got to get a win. You know, my mum and dad are here. You know, Um, so so it was. It was sort of a bit of a hidden agenda from us, a hidden agenda or wish from him. So from you know, and for his wife Carly, you know, she's she's just been so supportive and so for a family to be there. um, Yeah, I've just. That's one thing, as I said, you know, uh, winning Bathurst I always felt was probably an amazing thing up there with Peter Brock and the guys that have won it, but um, to win the Australian Supercar Championships three times, that was pretty exceptional, but man, i tell you what, that mid-Ohio win that, that capped it off, you know, for the whole team, for all the boys, you know, and for Scott, you know, and it was a well-deserved, but the, 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 all these things have been at tracks that are not the easiest tracks, you know, like, this is a tough category, this is... I know Formula 1's meant to be tough, but I sincerely believe this is probably tougher. You know, it's um, but yeah, what a journey, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, as a family, we just we're blown away. It's just um, I can't express how excited we are. You know, it's just um, and so appreciative. You know, it's been great. You know, but he's very lucky. He's in, he's he. You know, like Scott. Scott's a very good driver, and he's he's you know he's got a great ability, and and you know he's been likened to a lot of a lot of great race car drivers. But don't forget. There's 25 guys behind them at that team that are there. You know, it is a team effort. And um, also, you know, the team Penske thing, that, and it's a, she's a juggernaut. You know, they know what they're doing.
9: Wayne, uh, it's it's a hell of a dangerous activity. We know that. Um, you know, a lot of parents watch their kids play rugby, cricket, soccer, whatever. Not quite the, uh, the danger element involved. H- how, have you ever got used to that? Uh, what goes through your mind during races? I mean, when he when he crashed, for instance, and in, in, in the Indy five hundred, how do you handle that thing as a as a parent?
5: You don't, and you never get used to it. Um, it's it's a bit to be perfectly honest. Um, every time he goes out there, you know, um, they put themselves at risk. Today, I've, well, both die and I were we we're pretty anxious because you know, um, Toronto is a tough track. It's narrow, it's demanding, and these guys all, you know, there's, 27, 29 of them all want to get to the front and they all want to do it on the first lap Um, so you know you do but the cars, one thing I've learned since we've been in America and spent the time with the team and at the track and also at the factory these cars are extremely safe Um, they've done everything in their power to keep them as safe as what they can do Um, heaven forbid but at the end of the day you're never going to take that away from Scotty you know He'd race a wheelbarrow if he could, so um, you just have to you, you just have to put your hand in, in your mouth and hopefully always the first couple of laps are the tough ones, you know, they're, they're always bloody hard, you know, because you get around those first couple of laps and it sort of settles a little bit, but um, there's a few things went on there today that was a little bit uncalled for, a little bit silly. Um, but, um, yeah, you, look, honestly, mate, you never get over that. You just... You know, you never know. Um, heaven forbid it ever goes wrong, but um, all we can do. You, you'd always know that he's doing something that he loves, and yeah, like these guys, these race car drivers, they're a different breed. You know, they they they're driven, they're perfectionist they're um, meticulous. It's they're just you know they're certainly a different breed, that's for sure. Um, good to see him. Like we had a beer with him tonight. It's good to see him relax. You know. He's a bit pissed off with yeah. himself, and um, but that I said, well, you know, hey, you didn't be in the car, you still come home in the top ten, and you know, it's you got good points, so move on, you know.
9: He is sitting quite nicely, a actually, uh, after a, after an amazing rookie year last year. Of course, this year has become even better for him. Uh, Wayne, uh, what about the the the, uh, immediate future? I mean, there was talk uh, at one stage about him wanting to returning to to Bathurst at at some point. Um, How how do you see the next year or two panning out for Scott?
5: Look, I I don't know that you know with the way things have gone, um, you know, with with COVID and with what's going on with um. And he's so he, he is extremely focused on his career here and um my personal opinion is that um I think he needs to stay focused on on the, on, the, you know, on the on the car on the category um he's still still you it um but you know look he, he's keen to come home and do baths he's keen to come home and do pull so it's just whether the planet's going align there's a lot that goes with it you know like it's timing and practice and time in the seat but um I'm, I know for sure he'll be home one day to do another V8. You haven't seen the last of them V8s, that's for sure, I don't think, you know. But um, oh, I, I keep saying, them, I keep telling them, you know, Indy's your focus, mate,
9: you know. It's great it's great to hear your voice, uh, Wayne. I can hear the enjoyment um, and the pride in your voice, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, please pass on our best wishes uh, to, to Scott on uh, his efforts of late, please. The you know, whole country looking very closely at, at what he's doing. Uh, Wayne McLaughlin, thank you, thank you so much, uh, and continue to enjoy uh, the family reunion. It sounds great.
5: Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it, and as I say, great to see another Kiwi up here today. Thank you.
2: The Good Oil, all the fun and tips for your Saturday afternoon. Live Saturdays from one on SENZ.